Hey everyone, this is Dylan. And this is Fortune, also and, known as a Restless Mind on YouTube. Yeah, and welcome to episode 15 of Sin Discussion, our top 10 list for everything we saw in 2021. And all the things yeah. we didn't have a chance to see. <laughs> yes, this is true. Because there were, I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast to you, or I mentioned it to you on the phone. 2021 was a weird year where I didn't get to see as many films as I would have liked. But I, I actually got to see quite a few films, but most of them weren't new films. I spent a lot of this year watching a lot of classics that were on my list that I had never gotten to see. So yeah. I've actually caught up a lot on that list, though. So <laughs> it was a very good year for movies. It's just it was I was delving into the past quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I well, yeah, we both did a lot of that, and then when we were talking yeah. about doing this and i started making my top 10 list this was a couple weeks ago when we really started digging in i was like did i even see that many movies this year and as i thought about <laughs> it and like revisited imdb and like went up less i was like okay i did see a lot of movies this year it took yeah. me a while to rank them yeah and i realized <laughs> that like nowadays movies and television are interchangeable in terms of quality like some shows are even better so i don't even do like top 10 film lists i now do like a top 10 film projects so like some might be yep. shows you know like because or miniseries because there's just so many like there's just so much great content all over it. Like the the landscape has drastically changed, so yep. I had to kind of adjust. <laughs> I uh, I joined you on that. I also include some shows, <laughs> some non traditional films. Um, so I'm really excited to hear. Really, no, uh, one of yours is. <laughs> I, I can jump. But you know, know nine more are. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> also, disclaimer: I got my booster <laughs> shot early this afternoon, and I'm definitely feeling the fatigue and the slight cough. So. If my voice sounds a little funny uh, or I seem a little low energy, that would be why. But we'll be over that in a couple days. So, so don't worry, guys. It's not like the official COVID. It's the uh, it's the um, uh, what, what I'm looking for? <laughs> the voluntary COVID. Right, exactly. <laughs> voluntary. I'll take it. <laughs> um, so I know that before we like dive into our top ten, we have some honorable mentions. But I also created um, a quick or not so quick list of things that I really wanted to see this year, um, but okay. I didn't have a chance to. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if you have a few. Uh, you probably I, have a few as well. I had quite a few, but I only listed three for this. But I have more, but I, it would take forever because, like I said, I did more classics this year. So yeah, what I are your catch three up, that you missed? Um, I missed Last Night in Soho. I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan, so I really, really want to see that one. And it is available on Prime, I believe now. So I will probably watch Sweet. it within the next week or two. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, was one of the ones that I was really looking forward to. I liked uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, mm -hmm. And I also love Lakeith Stanfield. He's great. Just great actors. And I'm told it was fantastic. The other one was The Power of Dog. Um, I know the director is really well known for her work. I haven't actually seen her work. I'm just a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan. And I also uh like uh kirsten dunst i feel like over time like uh she's not she doesn't just do romantic comedy it seems like in the last like seven years or so she's been doing a lot more just like dramas and kind of whether the movie is good or not she kind of kills it she's, she's pretty mm -hmm. great so um yeah she's really i mean i i, I don't want to say she's grown on me because i you can laugh at me i love to bring it on i still think that movie's fun <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but uh but uh yeah she's really she's a good actor so like i thought that it would be really interesting to see benedict cumberbatch and her together in a film like so i'm looking forward to see that yeah awesome um i had literally like 15 so i'm just gonna ramble through them i'm not gonna get too lost okay. in them, but i hear yeah. all of these are good or maybe <laughs> even great um okay. and i wanted to see him but i didn't have it get a chance and these are the ones you didn't get a chance to see right yeah totally okay, and I, I even organized them so i could be quick there are a couple gotcha. animes on my list i didn't get to watch uh evangelion 3 i really wanted to watch it i know it's on prime i just didn't see the second one didn't have a chance to watch through the other two uh gotcha. demon hunter mugen train i started the Great. show i haven't finished so it so oh, i forgot about demon hunter oh yeah. crap <laughs> i yeah 
I haven't finished <laughs> the show, so I didn't watch the movie. Um, no, there are a few musicals that I wanted to see. I wanted to see In the Heights. I just didn't prioritize it. I wanted to see West Side Story because Steven Spielberg is out here still making yeah. movies. And I wanted to see Tick, Tick, Boom because Tick, Tick, Boom was great. It's great. Yep. It was um, one of my honorable mentions, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, uh, very nice. A um, couple animations I wanted to see. I wanted to see Encanto and I wanted to see Raya and the Last Dragon. Didn't get a chance. Yes. Womp, womp. Yes. I didn't um, get to see Encanto. You didn't get to see Encanto either? Okay. No, I want to see that one. Um, a couple other things. Uh, you Well, this one's also kind of animation, but stop motion. I really wanted to see Mad God. Um, 30 year, uh, I, I can't remember the director, but one of the stop motion masters took 30 years to make it, his life's work. It's called Mad God. Apparently it's weird and crazy wow. and scary and out of control. I actually haven't even heard of this. Now I need to do some research. Mad God, I'm going to write that yep. down. Um, I really want to see it's not the same. It's not the same guy that did an, uh, Anna Melissa, is it? I don't believe so. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I hear you typing over there. Look up his name one more time for me. Um, it's uh, Oh, Phil Tippett. Uh, Phil Tippett made it. Um, Mad God movie. Yeah, if I haven't even at, heard of this. Wow, he did I'm like the visual effects for like Jurassic Park, RoboCop. Like he helped out on Star oh. Wars, Starship Troopers. He's been working on this project for like his entire life. Dude, this um, looks cool too. Yep, um, I really wanted to see Red Rocket. I really wanted to see Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix put out a movie this year that I haven't had a chance to see yet. He's my favorite living actor still, and that's Come On, Come On. I'll get around to that. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, a few foreign films, uh, Drive My Car, really wanted to see it, Memoria, and This Is Not a Burial, It's a Resurrection. <clears throat> also, there's a uh-huh. Mads Mikkelsen movie came out that looks like this revenge drama, but I've heard that it goes a little deeper. It's called Riders of Justice. Looks like the trailer made it look like it could be like a Liam Neeson, like going to catch him kind of movie, but it looks <laughs> Now that Liam Neeson is retired, time yeah. for Mad Mikkelsen. <laughs> exactly. Taken um, five. <laughs> and then there were two shows on my list that I'm really excited to watch. I really wanted to watch Hellbound, uh, which oh, is yeah, a yeah. Korean drama on Netflix. So the Korean one, yeah. Demons are dragging people all sorts of places. Yeah. I heard it's wild. A couple <laughs> of friend, a couple of people at work saw it. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, and then I really wanted to see Yellow Jackets. I've heard a lot of really exciting buzz about yeah. that new horror show. Um, so super I heard about that. that too. That's my that's my big list of things that I really wanted to see, but I, I haven't been Good able list. to find the time. Good list. Thank you. Okay, so so now I think we're also before we give you our top tens, we want to give you some honorable mentions. These are films or 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 you know film projects that we liked, um, but they just barely didn't make the list. But we thought they were good and we enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so my list of honorable mentions: number one is Pig. I actually right. liked Pig. I liked Pig quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the top ten for me, but it was it was very good. It was very well made. I think you had mentioned it was the director's first time directing. Mm-hmm. I, I believe you had said. Um, it, it was a very solid direction. Um, it seemed like the movie knew what it wanted to be. I was actually, I'd say I'm surprised it's his first film. Like, like it, it didn't like blow me away, but it was very, it felt very, um, like he had made a few movies already, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. and the story went in places that I kind of expected just because I like to cook. So when his pig goes missing and there's a spot where in the trailer where it mentions that like, there's some cooking involved. I'm like, is it a truffle pig? Like that was right. kind of my thought. So uh, where it ends up going uh, in the final moment with the guy and a certain meal that's made, though, oh, that was beautiful. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, Afterlife, I found that recently. Uh, I love this show. It, it technically, I guess it isn't this year. The third season came out this year, but I just found it, so I added it to the list because I think it's fantastic. It's Ricky Gervais. It's another show of his where he's the lead, but he writes it all too, and it, it's just very good, very deep. It, it, 
he tackles death and um, um, guilt and grieving very honestly from a very specific perspective, which I think is great. At least that's the first season. I don't know where it goes after that. Mm -hmm. um, another honorable mention for me was this film with um, Homegirl that I love from Gone Girl, Roseman Pike. It was called I Care A Lot. That was a good movie. Yeah. And, yeah, and this is the film I was telling you where it almost <laughs> might have been like number 10, except I feel like the ending copped out a little bit because yeah. she's monstrous, <laughs> and I would almost expect her to get away with it. And here's the thing. I took care of my grandfather uh, for like seven or eight years before he died, so within the first 30 minutes, she played her part so well that I have rarely hated a character <laughs> more was. than I hated her. Oh. Like, And she played it so well that I, I was actually like, my skin was crawling. I was so angry because she's taking advantage <laughs> of seniors and I took care of my grandfather. So for some reason, it's almost like I took it personally, but yeah. the fact that she made me hate her so much, I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, my only issue with the movie is I feel like the ending felt like a kind of a cop out. It's like this perfect wrap up and karma is a thing and you can do that. But I felt like the way it happened just kind of happens really quickly and it's really convenient. It was like my only gripe with the movie. Um, yeah. Another one, I thought Dave Chappelle's The Closer was great. I know it is yeah. kind of controversial, but I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan. And whether you agree with it or not, I like the idea of free speech and the fact that people can say what they think. And if you don't like it, that's great. Let's have a conversation. You know, like I, I like people who aren't afraid to say what they think. Some people might not like it. Some people might. But I like that we're in a place where you can say stuff. And if people don't like it, hey, let's have a conversation about it. It triggers a conversation. I think those are, I think it's better to have that in a society where society where you're not allowed to say things because, you know, so I think I just kind of like what it represented and kind of what happened afterward. <laughs> uh, but I also mm -hmm. did find it quite funny. There's moments that are controversial, but there are parts of it that are very funny because I use Dave Chappelle. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Um, another one of mine was actually Raya and the Last Dragon. I actually oh, was saw it? it. Um, oh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I almost made it my number 10. I really loved it. Yep. Um, I think Disney kicked some ass with that one. The martial <laughs> arts choreography was really cool. The the action was actually, I'm action, sorry. The, the, the acting, voice acting was good. Yep. The characters are really great. It did get a tear for me later, which was really nice. Um, has some great themes. Um, and it's also very different, you know, this, this kind of, like Southeast Asian style, you know, it's very different. Like I, I like it. I'm, I like that we're seeing different stories now, like Encanto and Coco and like, we're seeing stuff that's not all the same, which is great. And it was really fun. Uh, yeah. The last two of my honorable mentions, I'm sorry, I guess I had more. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one was also Tick, Tick, Boom. I really enjoyed it. Nice. And Andrew Garfield learned to sing for this movie, which yeah. was really cool. Um, and then the last one was, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it's like a horror film called The Night House. I believe that's what it's called. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But, um, oh, wait, you didn't have a chance to see that one? I didn't. Okay, I, I remember that coming out too. I, I should have put that on my uh, my didn't see list. I wanted to see that too. Oh um, yeah, okay, yeah. Because I never got to see it. The trailer was kind of interesting. The direction looked interesting, and yeah. I think it just kind of went under the radar. It's like I'd seen a trailer and then I didn't even hear about it coming out, so I didn't, you know, I kind of forgot until recently. So yeah, okay, awesome. Uh, so I think the first honorable mention that you said uh, we totally share it. Uh, my honorable mention that I saw that didn't quite make my list: Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Um, okay. I really enjoyed it. And earlier in the year, and especially before I went on this, like, catching up with the movies I didn't see, uh, yeah. kind of extravaganza over the past two weeks, it would have been <laughs> on my top 10 list. Um, I gotcha. don't think it would have been near the top. Um, I think it was a really fun movie. Um, but it was just kind of lacking in some places that would make it incredibly memorable for me. But as like a great time at the movies, um, and as an overall story and Edgar Wright's music choices and his editing, um, his 
uh, color palette in the movie was really striking. It was, it was, oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. The trailer <laughs> seemed very striking. Yep. Um, the power of the dog, Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst, amazing performances. Um, a really great movie that explores, you know, what is masculinity and femininity on the American frontier, as well as a lot of classism. Um, I found myself really enjoying the performances. I found myself getting a little drowsy in the middle, unfortunately. <laughs> but that Got being it. said, <clears throat> up there with the most beautiful cinematography I've seen this year, the performances oh, really? and the wow. look of the movie were stellar. It also has a lot of scenes that are 1000% memorable. Um, just the overall from beginning to end, eh, lost me in a little bit. Gotcha. Um, was, it, was it more in the middle? Dragged in the middle? Sounds yeah, like. it dragged in the middle. And then um, the the climax as well, I could have asked it to be a little less sudden. Um, it didn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a clean wrap up, but it was like, a, all right, let's wrap this movie up. Kind of. Oh, yeah, I hate when end. it feels that way. You I hate I mean? when it feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good to yeah. know. I got a Netflix movie on here that didn't quite make my top 10, but I also liked it a lot. Harder They Fall by James Samuel. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of had a feeling you were going to put that on there. I yeah. had a blast. We've talked about <laughs> yeah. this movie quite a bit, and yeah, you're right. There fun. is, I'll get the issues out of the way. The sets feel <laughs> like sets. Some of the writing is weird and... Weird? <laughs> it's like the entire third act is the entire predicated third on someone... The entire third, third act but... only works because it's some silly mid-plot point where someone does something that makes no sense that's absolutely (laughs) absolutely true but something else jonathan majors uh 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 idris elba zazzy beats which she probably had my least favorite performance in the movie but yeah the only one not only is it a visually stunning at moments western with an all-black cast the entire cast seems like they're having the time of their lives. And I was having a blast as well, especially James Samuel coming from the music <laughs> industry and having these weird, funky music choices yeah. throughout the whole movie. Really liked it. I also loved the train scene with Lakeith Stanfield. I wish I got Me more too. of that. that. That scene felt so Tarantino, by the way. Like, yeah. so Tarantino. Like, you could have plucked that from a Tarantino movie and I would have almost believed you. <laughs> yep. Same thing with the, uh, the intro to Jonathan Major's character where he's yeah. hunting uh, the guy with the scorpion yeah. across his hand. For sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yep. I I actually paused it at, at, after the opening and went and looked at who the director was because I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't know who this director is, but I just want to know. I was like, okay, I haven't heard of him. I was like, okay, he loves Tarantino. Like, like after the opening, that was literally what I said. I said it out loud. I was like, this person loves Tarantino. Like, like, and then yeah. the train scene happens. I'm like, yep. <laughs> and uh, totally. And by extension, uh, Sergio Leone. We've uh. Jasmine oh, yeah. and I have been watching 60s movies, and we watched uh, <sighs> Once Upon a Time in the West and uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly back-to-back. Nice. It's nice. been fun. That's um, my favorite Western of all time, Once Upon a Time in the West. Mine too. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> um, number three. Uh, the, uh, these aren't ordered, but I have three more. Uh, Adam McKay, Don't Look Up. Another movie. Um, I have a feeling that's going to be somewhere on your list, but no spoilers, please. Um <laughs> Loved the performances, laughed a whole lot. The most memorable part of the whole movie for me was the the ending scene, and it stuck the landing, and that was probably my favorite part of it. I don't, I loved the messages. If I had mm-hmm. any complaints, and it's hardly a complaint because it's it's against the intention of the movie. I just, you know, for my taste, sometimes a little more subtlety goes a long way. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, so I get it. I had a blast with it though. Number two, speaking of movies that aren't subtle at all and contradicting my last point, 
cop shot. (laughs) 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 Um, Cop shop. And I need to look up who directed this movie. Cop shop? Cop shop. This was a weird, low budget, like action thriller starring Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler. And I just watched it the other day. Oh, oh, a guy at work wanted me to see it. He said, doesn't that trailer look great? And I saw it. That's yeah. the one where the, yes, I know what you're talking about, actually. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking so, about. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, and I just looked up the director too, it's directed by uh, Joe Carnahan, who I'm not familiar with. It but gave me like shoot him up vibes, even though I never saw that either, like from the trailer. It gave me like the movie feels a lot like Smoke and Aces, which is a big guilty yeah, pleasure okay. of mine. That's a good one. Um, but that's the concept one. is Frank Grillo plays a con man that's on the run. He did a bad, bad thing to some bad, bad people. And he intentionally gets himself put in prison. And the people, one of the assassins who are after him intentionally gets himself put into the same jail. <laughs> well, I guess they're in jail, not prison. And then yeah. there's, uh, you know, multiple assassins with different bounties who are after him. And then you just get this crazy mashup of all of these crazy personalities trying to kill each other in a small jail is it, is it all in jail <laughs> it's all in jail it was it was super low budget and super fun and i loved it <laughs> i'm gonna have to yeah like you know it's funny you just said that and i forgot that movie existed till now but yes i did watch the trailer it did look fun it looked yeah. it looked wild basically. it was wild. It was wild. there's one standout character who is by far my favorite and i think he'll be your favorite too that's all i'm gonna say um, okay and one that I was actually shocked that this didn't make my top 10 list. And I actually wrote out my top 10 list like three times, seeing if it made sense. But I was going by feel, um, regardless of like how good I thought the movie was. My, my last honorable mention was Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't mm-hmm. have a whole lot to say because this movie was so much fun. And it gave me so much of what I never thought I'd see again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Willem Dafoe's. The Alfred Molinas, yeah. the Toby Maguire's, the uh, the uh, uh, Andrew Garfield's, and I, uh, I, I, I loved it. It just there were ten projects this year that I loved a little more. No, yeah. Uh, well, I just won't say anything. I'll say I'll, all I'll say is it. You'd actually be surprised a couple of movies that end up on my list, but a big part of that I did say is there are some films I didn't get a chance to see, and I'm yep. convinced. Of like the four or five that I didn't get a chance to see, they probably would have been honorable mentions, but because I haven't seen them, they are on my list. So, very nice. Well, let's get started, man. I'm. Uh, I want to hear what your uh, number ten was. Let's kick off our top ten list. My number ten was Malcolm and Marie with Ooh. Zendaya and and uh, was Washington. Um, oh my God, my my mind just went blank. I literally John just David? had it. John David Washington, yep. Denzel Washington's son. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Really liked it. Um, I expected to like it. I didn't think I'd love it. I loved it. I was very surprised how much I liked it. I liked how visceral. I use that word lately, but it just it's just perfect. It's very visceral. It's very the fact that it was also a quarantine project is really cool because it feels like you're watching essentially a very good double monologue stage play. Like that's what that's yeah. what it feels like because it's it's all one location. The group quarantined. They shot it very small crew. It's just two actors. Um, and the script is very simple. It's 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 very destructive. It's essentially two people. Something that happens sometimes in relationships when there are problems. It's it's two people who seem to love each other, but they are tearing each other apart. Like like yeah. really is is what's happening. So it's it's very destructive. But I liked 
I like the fact that it felt very real and not real at the same time. Like it feels very real, but it also feels almost like a play. But yes. um, I don't know how else to describe it because it's a lot of monologuing. Uh, uh, you know, um, not monologuing. I'm sorry. It's 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 a lot of speeches to each other basically. But but essentially the the performances were fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. and I also feel like how deep they get with trying to hurt each other yeah. is it's so honest and it shows how well the two characters they clearly love each other because they know each other so well like (laughs) like you know what i mean um and they're both very broken people in different ways but um there's just something about that film that i really liked i i I just did so it's my number 10 yeah very nice uh moment of malcolm marie it didn't make it to my list or my honorable mentions um but I liked it a lot too. Um, I really liked John da- uh, David Washington's performance. I loved Zendaya's performance. And the thing that I didn't expect to like so much was the cinematography. I think that movie oh, was dude, beautiful. Yeah. And I think the soundtrack was incredible. It was. Um, and I think that movie had a lot of style. I really liked it. Did. It did. Yeah. For being so small and simple, like it yep. was handled really well. Like, mm-hmm. for sure. Funny so, what enough, is your number 10? My number 10 is also uh, a movie that only has four actors that takes place in one location. Um, and it was Mass by uh, Fran Kranz. Ah, that's, another, that's another one that's on my list, yeah. actually. Is it? Is that yeah. on your list? I just watched yes, it the other I've day. Yes, I've heard of that one. Um, it's on, did you see it this year? I have not seen it. Okay, not on your top ten list, but like on your list no. of movies to watch. It, like when I had said I had more to watch, <laughs> there's a, there's about eight. It, it's one of the eight, yeah. Got you. So this was directed by Fran Kranz. I didn't know who Fran Kranz was. I had to look it up. Do you know who Fran Kranz is? I actually do not, no. Fran Kranz is the stoner character from uh, Cabin in the Woods. No, <laughs> yeah. seriously? Yeah. Are serious. you serious? <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. go bong cup guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. for real. Yeah, exactly. We all love, he's like everyone. I don't I don't know a single person that's not their favorite character. In that he was movie. definitely like, the best character in that movie. He's so. the best character, for sure. He was awesome. Here's what I'll say about this movie. It's also... The first thing for anybody who is interested in writing or directing movies and feels like they don't have the uh, the resources to do something great, this movie takes away those excuses. It's four people in a room, and the entire movie revolves around conversations between these four people. I, I don't want to go too deep into what they discuss, but I'll say yeah. um, this is the discussion um, after a very severe tragedy. And um, both of these couples, two people on each yeah. side, have some sort of relation to that tragedy. And the um, trailer kind of, if you do just, if you want to, I'll just say, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I yeah, just want to yeah. say that if anyone does decide to watch this movie and you don't want to know, do not watch the trailer. Because I feel like the trailer uh, will make you put certain things together with, I don't want to say, yeah. but like, like, like I have an idea of what it's about, which is why I put it on my list. I thought it was really interesting. So if you want to be completely, uh, no, nothing not spoiled, but not even have an idea of what it's about. Don't watch the trailer is what I'll say. Yep. Because um, yeah. Okay. I, I actually haven't even seen the trailer. So cool. uh, lucky cool. me. I will say a couple things about this movie. Um, I think for me, this uh, movie had the strongest performances of the year, pretty nice. much across the board. Um, I think especially Jason Isaacs, who plays one of um, uh, well, one of the four characters. Jason Isaacs is always great. Yeah, good old Lucian Malfoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's uh, he's not a villainous <laughs> presence in this movie, believe it or not. But... Oh, I hope. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but will he... always be here to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie has a lot of monologues, and mm-hmm. every character 
really gets so much to do. Um, I don't even know if there's a specific standout outside of my favorite character and the the moments that affected me most, most coming from, first of all, Jason Isaacs, um, and secondly, Anne Dowd. Um, especially in the final oh. scene of the movie, a conversation comes from Anne Dowd that really comes out of nowhere. And this movie requires a significant emotional investment like it really really puts you through the ringer if you allow it to like if you don't close yourself off to to what these feelings and kind of the actions that they've experienced could mean yeah it requires a lot it's heavy and i was definitely uh kind of in a down mood for for a couple hours afterwards i just kept thinking about it yeah um but i think in in our current time it's it's an important film to watch if you are willing to put yourself through that and i think that um one of the couples in this movie it would be very easy to not empathize with and i think that Mm -hmm. this movie gives you every point of view and every human perspective that it can off something that really felt inevitable um that's what i'll say um it's probably yeah it's definitely the heaviest movie on my list but it was it it was fantastic that's probably why i haven't watched it like mood because you know me i Mm -hmm. deal with moods mood stuff uh and uh like I have to be in the mood to, and I, I, I was pretty sure I knew what it was about. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why it's on my list and I plan on watching it, but I do have to be in the, the right mindset. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, also for sure. funny thing about your top 10. Um, I remember being so excited for that when it came out. Cause I was like, wow, you know, we're going to start getting these kind of new kind of film projects that really have to do with uh, a kind of a reaction to the pandemic. Like what are movies? Yeah, look for like sure. Now? Mm-hmm. And then I thought there was only going to be a couple, but here we still are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not going to stop. This yeah. is psychologically messed with people for like two years. And now we're going into not as bad, but things are still kind of mildly yeah. quarantined because there's just new, var- like I just read an article about BE something that's now another variant. And I'm like, come on. No, but, but, but I know. It, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, can, I, yeah. can I start with my number nine? Cause it's a great transition. <laughs> you actually can because yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, my number nine is inside from Bo Burnham. Um, ah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's on my list. Too. That's on your list too. I'm excited yeah. to see where it landed for you. But um, okay. so for me, I think, especially for when it came out and watching it um, when I did and like mm-hmm. it did for so many people, it really articulated and kind of, poked fun but also empathized with how so many people are feeling right now and what this yeah, really sure. really fucking weird strange time feels like to be like choosing to be inside a lot of the time but also interconnected yep. through the internet so it's like you're never like fully unconnected but you always feel unconnected you yeah. know and it's it's all of these conflicting feelings and it's people just telling you it's going to be fine all the time and then you feeling like it's not going to be fine yeah, And just putting that the way he did was beautiful. It was probably my favorite piece of media, like based on, based on what we're going through right now. It was the most touching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was very touching. It was also very, um, it, it, I can empathize with him a lot and I've always liked Bo Burnham and it, and it honestly feels like more Bo Burnham than anything. Like, like it, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like this is what he would do. Like, like, you know, and he did obviously, and he filmed the entire thing himself he put it all together. He clearly edited the entire project and put it on Netflix because why not? I'm stuck inside for a year, right? Yeah. 
Like, like you know what I mean? Yep. But um, it just feels so Bo Burnham. Like, like the crazy thing is when I saw the trailer, I was like, it's like I'm not even surprised. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be good, you know? And it's actually quite funny, but I actually find it less funny than his other ones. Even though it's funny, it's more interesting. Like, like yeah. there is definitely some really funny moments, but it's it's also interesting and also. I feel like you're also seeing his psychology. You're seeing his the depression from time to time. You're seeing, you know, just trying to cope with that isolation. Like there's just so much within the film that it covers that mm-hmm. um, it's interesting too. And I, and I and I like the I like the end the end of it too with the the door and <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It, it was a cool way to end it. I was like, yeah yeah, that's probably that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your number nine? So my number nine was actually Spider-Man: No Way Home. Was it? <laughs> well, I because because the truth is, I I didn't expect. Even though I, you know, I like Marvel movies, but I don't love them. But yeah. there were actually two Marvel movies uh, <laughs> that came out this year that I actually quite enjoyed. And even though I feel like Spider-Man: No Way Home has some issues, like it's still pretty solid. Like they did a pretty good job. It's one of the few movies. I feel like some of those movies where Marvel did a pretty decent job, you know, like, like I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I think um, Tom Holland's performance was the best it's ever been. There are some cliche moments. Sure. But also just the nostalgia of having some of these characters back on screen, like, like just Doc Ock back on screen and the green goblin, William Defoe just eats up every minute he's on the screen. And, and what I love is he was actually in it quite a bit. These weren't just Mm -hmm. like cameos where they come and go. And I remember there was a lot of conversation between us about like what we think could be happening from the trailer. And it's funny because we were kind of spot on with pretty much everything. Uh, And the, the funny thing is, and, and I, and it didn't hurt the movie that we were spot on because I was saying things that I thought would be cool. So <laughs> it's hard for me to hate the movie because like some of them actually happened and I thought it was cool. Like yeah. I like that. I like that the cameos aren't just because a lot of the things that people do nowadays, even Disney is very guilty of this is when you have callbacks, that's all it is. It doesn't even really matter. It's just to get a quick, Oh, this will get people in the theaters, but they actually made this part of the story and there's actually development, not just for our heroes but Mm -hmm. the villains as well so um like 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 i like that there is so much and it's not just and it's not just rewriting it's giving arcs to people who deserve them although i feel like once again the lizard man gets shafted just like in the the movie like no one gave a shit about the lizard man even in this one he's just gonna be there but yeah writing writing wise it has some like serious issues like, like like i mean the lizard man. Oh, he just decided to wait in the car. Yeah, but, like, I was literally like, "That is so stupid!" Like, like it's like if this was any other movie, people would be tearing that shit apart. Like, it's just because it's Spider Man. But yeah. it was fun. It was very fun. It's one of those. It's probably one of the Marvel movies I could like Ragnarok. I could watch it again. Like, and yes. I don't say that about a lot of Marvel movies. Most of them, after I see them once, I don't really have much interest in seeing them again because they were okay. But I could watch this one again, and I feel and still feel like I would have a good time with it. Um. And again, I would say Marvel movies probably wouldn't be on my top 10 list if I had seen some of the other ones I wanted to see. But since I didn't, it is there. I found it even more enjoyable than some of the other movies uh, in my honorable mentions. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't expect this, but I, it was fun. So Yeah, it was super yeah. fun. And I, I agree. Uh, Tom Holland finally got to be, uh, I hate to say this, but in this character, kind of act his age. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
I know, for real, like, right? Like, yeah. Civil War and the other ones, he'd be running and see Doctor Strange, like, oh my god, is it a wizard? I'm like, dude, you're in high school. Like, you're in high <laughs> yeah. school. You know I, mean? like, I know. You're not 12. Little. Exactly. You're not 12. You know? um, like, so, being able to see that version of Harry, po- uh, Harry Potter, <laughs> 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 Peter Parker. <laughs> he did grow up, too. Oh my god, the brain fog. In uh, case you didn't know, uh, they just announced that Daniel Radcliffe is doing a biopic where he plays Weird Al Yankovic, by the way. I cannot wait. (laughs) I cannot wait, bro. (laughs) Um, But seeing him act as that version of Peter that is always trying to do his best to the detriment of himself, you know what I mean? Um, Is the best part of the character. Yeah, it's very much like what he faced in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's adulting, right? It's actual adulting, right? Exactly. And I'm excited. Um, I really... I don't know if I've ever said this before. Uh, I really like how they ended it. Um, I'm excited to see. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like having it kind of be this trilogy of an origin story and having him have all this experience, but nobody knows about it. It's kind of cool. And I'm excited to see how he deals with, you know, uh, no Stark tech. Now he's really just yeah. in the neighborhood and he's going to be dealing with classic villains that and, and affect it's, the neighborhood. And it's, and it's a story way of doing a reset yeah. too, for, for him. Um, yeah, it was cool. Uh do you mind if I lead into eight kind of like you did last time? Because I kind yeah. of, uh, so my eight is another Marvel movie. Actually, it's the uh, Shang Chi. Uh, I like Shang Chi a lot. Shang Chi. Shang Chi. I actually liked more than Spider Man. I actually thought it was. It's probably one of my top five favorite Marvel films or top six. Like I, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. I was excited because the action choreographer uh, Christopher C. Cohen. I've followed him on YouTube for like eight years, and he's mm-hmm. done these really cool shorts. I even showed you some of them. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's amazing, and he does this just by himself, like choreography, shooting everything. And I I saw. Um, uh, he posted a picture on like his Instagram like a while back and he was like with the Shang-Chi group and I'm like oh my god he worked <laughs> on this and it shows because if you know his work like the choreography this is the best choreography and art action sequences Marvel's probably ever done ever. um and, and, and they're, they're they're on par with like top Chinese martial arts extravaganza films and Christopher C. Cohen does this stuff all the time and I I, I can see it's too good like it, it's his it's him yeah there's yeah. another action designer too but I'm no Cohen was a huge part of this because I can see it. And um, the lead guy, I've never heard of him before. He did a great job. Uh, Dylan had actually already seen it, and we went and saw it together. And he saved a surprise for me because he knows there are a lot of Hong Kong stars I love. Like, I love Don Yen. I love Jackie Chan. I love uh, Jet Li. I love Michelle Yao. And when Michelle Yao comes off, I didn't see her anywhere in the trailer. So I was freaking out. I was super excited. Um, I also thought the monstrous dragon thing was kind of terrifying it was so cool reviews and they were like it's another big monster battle i was like no this one was different this i'm like this one was different this one was actually a cool one like like that's the different like Like, that's the different yeah Um, it was so sick bro like i actually thought it was a lot of fun that's and this is another one i could watch again like yeah i could totally watch again it's actually oh and i love i've never seen her in anything i love aquafina i love her Mm -hmm. and and now and i realized i had seen her in something i had seen the last dragon i didn't realize she plays the voice of the last dragon the dragon yeah the actual dragon i didn't either but now that i've seen the movie i was like her voice sounds so familiar and then when i went and looked it up online i'm like oh that okay so i just i love her in both movies like i think i like i'm an aquafina fan now like i like her very nice um i'm uh (laughs) slapping myself because that should have been on my honorable mentions list there was a actually (laughs) there was two marvel movies that i saw twice this year i saw spider-man twice i saw once with you and once with jasmine and i saw uh same thing with shang chi um and in fact 
I probably no, I like Spider Man a little bit more, but I think Shang Chi is a better movie. Yeah, not that, not that it, whatever that. No, means. no, no, and, and that's what, and that, and that's what I, and that's what I tried to do with my list. Like, even if I like something more, what do I think is a better movie? Like, that's why I put Shang Chi above Spider Man. So funny because I did the exact opposite. I was like, yeah. "What is my favorite?" Like, it's yeah, no, no, <laughs> but, but 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 and see, but see, I'm weird. I've always had no trouble with that. Like, like in terms of like sheer enjoyability. I probably would have put um, Afterlife on there. I, I might have even put Tick, Tick, Boom on there. But, like, mm-hmm. I try to do, like, there's enjoyability, but, like, also what would I specifically give it as a grade if I'm being honest? Like, for instance, I love yeah. Scream, but I wouldn't give Scream a 10. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, right, 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 right. But I, so I try to do my top 10 list based on what I would actually grade them since I'm trying to be honest and talk to people about them. But mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's my favorite. Like there are movies that are, that, that are bees that I like more than tense that I would watch all the, you know what uh, I mean? Like, yeah. so I totally, I totally feel you. I know. I don't think any, I, I totally feel you doing that. 100%. I'm just being, trying to be person. super empirically honest, which isn't always fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. <laughs> there are C's that I'll watch more than 10 sometimes. So. Well. So. We have a trend going, and I'm not going to break it here, because my number eight is also a superhero movie, and it's uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Of course I, you put that one on there. I know. <laughs> I I think it is awesome. Like, I, I, I watched it twice. I watched a four-hour superhero movie <laughs> twice. I can't watch an hour-and-a-half superhero movie once. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm just, from a creative just a creative's perspective i'm so grateful that it exists especially yeah. after the absolute dumpster fire that was justice league i remember like when the reviews were coming out for this everybody was like oh my god i was wrong oh my god i was wrong because no, i nobody expected this to be that good you know i kind of did because i really like Zack snyder um, yeah, you do. <laughs> but i think really what he did again and it's one of my favorite things about his his superhero genres is Yes, he takes it over seriously. Like, of course he does. That's uh, It's a trope of his at this point. But my favorite part about superhero movies is feeling like they're mythological. Like, not necessarily like the whole grounded, like it's our world stuff, but feeling like how does society react to beings of this caliber just existing? You know what I mean? Which, which makes sense to me why you also Superman is your favorite. That would totally yes. make sense with you. Yeah, 100%. yeah, exactly. Because I... I love the societal repercussions of them just being there. It's like, okay, so how do governments operate? What does society do? Let alone like the burglars and criminals on the streets. I think that stuff is really fun. And I think Zack Snyder kind of nails it with a lot of his imagery. He has a lot of misses with his like pacing and story choices sometimes, but his imagery is usually beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But seeing these characters kind of get their due from some Batman to what was redone with Superman and Wonder Woman and, uh, and uh, Ray Fisher's Cyborg. It was just so much fun. And Ezra Miller's Flash gets the standout moment in the entire movie. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I, it's actually watching that again made me even more excited for the new Batman movie just because I was like, oh yeah, like this shit is so sick. I know it's going to be completely different, but... I'm excited um, for the new one, though. It seems more, like, gritty and, like, what I was hoping. Like, I think I told you this years ago, if I was ever allowed to write a Batman story, I would have made the Riddler the arch nemesis because yeah. I haven't seen that yet. And I and I think I had told you I would have made it almost like a seven kind of, 
you know, because because like he's always mentioned he's like the greatest detective ever, but I don't see that much in movies. So like I want to mm-hmm. cover that aspect and have that element, but still be an action packed bat. And I feel like it seems like everything I'm getting in this movie, except I don't really like the way the Riddler looks. I'm hoping there's an actual Riddler style outfit later, but that's yeah. like my only gripe. But like so far, it seems cool. Like it like, seems yeah. really cool. I was kind of shocked at the runtime. It got a three hour runtime, yeah. two hours, it's like two hours minutes, and yeah. the screen test was four hours. So, yeah, so I feel they like cut there's going to be a lot. I feel like there's going to be a lot of meat on this. I didn't expect that. I thought they were going to go. I figured, you know, DC's continuing dark and serious, but I didn't think they were going to go with like an epic for for an intro movie to a new Batman. Yeah, so it almost it almost feels like it's gonna it's gonna be like a like a real mm-hmm. you know thick book graphic novel version of you know like something like a big you know two hundred two three hundred page graphic novel. Batman yeah. thing like which I'm like I'm for if it's good as long as it's good I'm happy I mean Same. I like the I like the stars I like the stars and the and everything and the director uh directed um the second two Planet of the Apes films which I have to be honest the first one I think it was Rupert Wyatt directed the first mm-hmm. one that was like a, I think that's the best director in the series personally I think it's so good and then after that he like doesn't seem like he did a lot, but he just came mm-hmm. on board and he was amazing. And yeah. I kind of thought he was going to be like this new Spielberg esque person. And he's kind of he does stuff, but I mean I don't hear about him anymore, you know. Yeah. But then yeah. Matt Reeves came in and did the second and third one. I actually think this the second one was uh, the third one was good, but I thought the second one was quite good. Um, yeah, I thought like so really too. good. I'm that actually was the first time Matt Reeves did something. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the third one was okay, but like the first two I really liked, and the second one. It is it is cliche by the book writing, but it, mm-hmm. none of it's bad writing. It's just yeah. you know by the book writing, but it's handled really well. And I think that was the first time directing wise, I was like, this Matt Reeves guy is pretty good, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for sure. um, so yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, um, I haven't thought about those movies in a while. I really enjoyed them. Happy you brought yeah. them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I lo- till this day, I never forgot the scene. I was like, this the real. I knew I liked him, but the moment I realized I loved this Rupert Wyatt guy was when you don't know where the monkeys are and it's just the shot of the fucking street and you just see the leaves starting to fall. Yeah. Like, and I yeah. was like, yeah. that's so good. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I ever would have thought of showing it that way. And I yeah. was like, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Number seven. Um, yeah, what's your number seven? My number seven, I also expected to be a lot higher. Um, and that is Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, Licorice Pizza. Ah, um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Is that a good I, one? I really like I really like that one too. Yeah, I imagine it's going to be somewhere. Well, we'll be talking about that more. <laughs> um, so here's the thing: Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it, I don't have anything to say that no one else has. Uh, every time that a uh, he's releasing a film, I want to be there day one, uh, mm-hmm. given the opportunity. Um, I think this one kind of lands somewhere in the middle, maybe a little lower middle of his filmography. Um, but I think as for what he was going for, as far as kind of putting you into this period and from what my perspective on the movie was, was making you feel like a teenager in this time. Yeah. It just, the entire sure. movie felt fucking crazy. It's like you're, you're doing you're, you're one thing over here and you're doing all of a sudden you're dealing with this over here and all of a sudden you want to do this and that doesn't work out and you're trying to figure out who you are. So all of a sudden you're trying to do something else. Like the movie was yeah. so sporadic and all over the place, and in some places like funky and kind of warm and and fun and fresh, and other places really dark and kind of cruel and scary. Like yeah. it really felt like uh, like it transported you to this time, but not only this time because I have another uh, movie on my list that was really transported too. But it really put you in the mind of this person who 
what I'm trying to say is it's similar to how I remember being 15 or 16. You know? Yeah, I can um, see that for sure. And I, I thought that was really funny from a story structure perspective or, you know, all that. It, it works sometimes and it doesn't work in other places. But as far as taking you out of that movie theater chair and putting you into a, the uh, 1970s San Fernando Valley during a gas sure. crisis, it's you're gone. Yeah. You know? It's cool. How, it's cool how much it's cool how much the gas prices uh, affected elements of the story. And you know what's funny about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of crazy that we're talking about this today. But today at work, there was a guy who who has a lot of muscle cars, and he was actually telling me about how back in the day, uh, when the gas crisis hit, all those muscle cars were worth like a hundred bucks because really? they were so expensive that yeah. the gas was so expensive that suddenly these high valued cars were like worth garbage. Like, like you could yeah. literally. Like if it was if you were a muscle car person, you could go and get beat up old muscle cars that still semi worked from the junkyard for like a hundred bucks because yeah. people were dumping them because they ate up so much gas and there wasn't any gas. So uh, like it was it was he was talking about this and I was like this is so funny because licorice pizza came out and I never thought <laughs> about how the gas the gas prices would affect you know how how detrimental it was to people at the time and the yeah. way this movie handled it and how it actually influenced the story for some really great scenes yeah. um there's a scene on a hill with a truck that is amazing it's, <laughs> it's like super intense and i loved it also it's a very inappropriate age relationship and yet by the end mm-hmm. i'm still kind of rooting for them which i did not expect to be which is yeah. it's awkward but i'm also like yay I, for you but i, I, feel I wasn't I was like, this is gonna self-destruct this is yeah well, but that's kind of how i thought at first but i was like yay for you and then it cuts and i'm like that's exactly how i'm thinking i'm like yeah it's good to cut there because i'm sure it didn't, didn't right. i think later. um so not only is like, like to bring up the concept of the movie really really it's like, not okay it's a really I mean? controversial film yeah like the fact that it's even that you know yeah. It's got good reviews and stuff. It's kind of funny with cancel culture and stuff the way it is today. It's kind of funny. Like, but well, I did there is something wonderful about it though. It's just I've always yeah, seen it's interesting. So what what works for me about it is depiction is an endorsement. And exactly, the exactly. never feels healthy or okay. So you're almost no, watching these two doesn't. people. Well, one you're watching one person who who's a child be a child and have a crush on somebody and then a mid twenties woman who doesn't yeah. know where she's at in life, make more <laughs> terrible decisions. Really um, terrible decisions. But you're watching them and watching them go through this journey. They make it make sense why this could happen. doesn't make it okay, yeah. but you believe No, them. it doesn't. You know, you, exactly. you believe them. Um, and, and that's why I was saying I feel awkward then because I'm like, oh, happy. But then I'm like, but then I feel awkward because it's yeah. not right. So I'm like, but at the same time, you made me feel two emotions simultaneously. That's impressive. Like, exactly. I don't know what, I don't know like what to you're, say. You're, it's interesting. You're, it's a happy ending, but it's gross. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, exactly. It's like, yeah. I will say something about the structure of this movie that I love is how it goes from, not set piece, but almost like, it feels like chapter. As it goes from chapter to chapter, you're meeting these, insane yeah. characters who are putting these people in incredibly weird or dangerous situations <laughs> from like movie yeah. producers and politicians and yeah. husbands of actors and it has so like possible, by far like the possible. best cameos of the year like oh it, it has dude no the, the bradley cooper cameo yeah. was like arguably the best part of the movie it's yeah. so good like it is and he gives it his all like i mean yeah his all like He's only there for like maybe 10 minutes total, but he, his all in every scene, he is 
it, anybody who says that Bradley Cooper isn't a good actor, you can fuck off. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just like, no, bro. He He's even proven he can be ridiculous. <laughs> like, I yeah. Mean, yeah. Like, um, seriously, man. Like, he's kind of had the star power for a while, but every movie, I don't know why. <laughs> I've heard that too, that people don't think yeah. he's an actor. But I know some people who don't. In, every single movie he's in, he's great. Even the last he's... movie is the last movie he started. I haven't seen Nightmare Alley yet. That should have been on my list. I haven't but... seen that, but the one before was The Star is Born, right? It was phenomenal. It, it was, was great. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It was super. And he even sang in the movie. I didn't even know he could sing. Like, he, yeah. Like, dude, like, he's great. Like, I, I, I've liked him for a long time, and I still meet people who are like, I feel like he's overrated. And I'm like, he, what about him Where? is overrated, yeah. though? Like, yeah, like, I'm always so confused what at movie? that. I'm like, what movie didn't he give a good performance? I'm like, I, I can't think <laughs> of a film where his performance like you might not like the movie but i never thought he was bad i've always thought he's pretty great like in, yeah. you know and everything he does so yeah i don't get that one that's why i'm saying that i'm like please give me reasons why he's a bad actor yeah, <laughs> like there, i'd like I to hear them <laughs> i don't think there are any either um, what was your number seven <laughs> so my number seven i'm gonna move into number six uh quickly because my number seven was actually bo burnham's inside oh was it okay yeah it was cool. that was my number seven and Good as you know yes we both love bo burnham if you guys haven't seen inside i definitely recommend it but he actually has two other stand-ups too that are great and if you like inside his other ones are actually funnier and they're amazing yes. too inside was kind of amazing for what it's documenting that's what's mm-hmm. cool about inside it's comedic but it's also kind of like a documentary of his isolation yes. it's like more of a i would argue it's actually more of a semi-comedic documentary than it is a comedy show like his other two uh, yeah. pieces are um which is i think what makes it really really special like like and he also did another film that i didn't see but it was his first directorial debut where he wrote it too and i heard that was good too uh like two three years ago but i haven't seen it oh I, heard it was uh, I saw it 18 uh, was it 18 or 16 16 it was something like that it yeah, was with great a little girl with a little girl yeah i heard yeah, i heard yeah, I it was it. great yeah um so my number six actually is something i thought was gonna be okay and i loved it uh arcane I really Arcane. liked Arcane. I, I really Arcane. liked I Arcane. Oh, really? Dude, yeah. it gets to the end. And here's the thing about Arcane. This is something that I have to point out because I know you don't play League of Legends. Mm-hmm. I played more Dota, but I have played some <laughs> League. I've, I've, I've put in a decent amount of hours in League. So at least, I'd say I have at least 60 hours in it, okay? Um, and so it's not as much as Dota <laughs> or anything. Yes. But, but I know the characters and I know some of their basic... Um, like their, qu- their like their like their quibs and stuff while they're playing and their and their personalities and stuff, and what I think is really impressive about Arcane is mm-hmm. that it's a pretty great show even if you've never seen League of Legends. You don't have to have played the game to understand the story. It they, you can tell they were just like we're gonna find a way to write a League of Legends story, but you don't need to have played the game to to understand this. It's just gonna be a great show, right. and they did it, and it has so much style to it it's actually the animation style and certain things is super impressive and they still keep leagues um cgi cutscene style uh, our uh, cartoon style that they use in their trailers but it's mm-hmm. for the whole show and their jinx's character the way they show her her i'll just say her psychological issues jinx was throughout the, the show sister, right yeah. yeah, the yeah. way they show her psychological issues throughout the story, especially as you get to the mid and later point, it is phenomenal. I've actually, I can say it is so unique. I have never seen anything like it in a film or animation. Like, like really? how how well they weave the editing and the choppy, weird effects in with reality, yeah. um, and it's and it seems to match her personality from the game so well that 
like her kind of craziness it, it feels very and i'm i'm sure that's politically incorrect but that's it's the best way to describe it her kind of mm-hmm. craziness it matches her character so well because she's a very harlequin-esque kind of character mm-hmm. uh later <laughs> uh and she's got issues that are caused from past traumas but the way they choose to animate that on the screen and intercut between scenes with her psychosis and what's going on it's actually phenomenally brilliant like it is and then if you and then if you know the show and you know what jinx's ultimate ability is (laughs) i'll just say that the ending of the show is fucking phenomenal like i was literally like like just the cinematography of the shots and the wide and when you see what's happening you're like oh here we go you're just like (laughs) and even if you don't know the game it's awesome but if you know the game you're just like i've been waiting for it like yeah. When are we going to see Jinx's ult? You know, yep. and, and the, the way it's written and the way it ends to set up for the next season, it is it is such a good ending. Like, it is... And, and when I mean ending, just writing-wise, it's great. Like, like and it's so awful at the same time, like, in a good oh. way. Like, you're just like, ugh. Because everything that's happened and then the way it ends, you're like, no! And that's how it's ending. And you're like, ah! It, it's really great. I, I thought it was going to be okay. And yeah. I loved it. I really loved Arcane. I, I plan on watching it again. I really liked it. Um, I'm actually yeah. happy you brought it up because I actually stopped at a really critical point. Not for any reason, just because I, I got distracted. What episode? I, episode three. When like shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Exactly. You know what's funny is like after yeah, that episode, I was dude. like, oh, this is getting good. And then somehow yeah. I forgot about it. So I'm happy yeah. you said that. Now I can go back and watch Yeah, it. please do. Because yeah, episode three is when it starts to really pick up because it's like you had three characters to understand the world yep. and the people and kind of inciting events and then it just starts to just it just it, it just it keeps rolls. going to the end yeah it's yeah. it's great and some of the action sequences are amazing too uh yep. and yeah and if you know the characters from the game like the scenes are amazing anyway but if you know the characters of the game it's like you're not missing out on anything if you don't but if you do it's just an extra cherry on top in certain scenes that you'll know yeah. But it yeah. doesn't take away anything if you don't know. But if you know it's something special just for you, there are little things that are really cool. Um, which is how you should do that, in yes. my opinion. You shouldn't make something that's dependent upon them knowing the source material. You need to make something that's great anyway. And if you're mm-hmm. a fan of it, you have these extra little Easter eggs that are just for you. That's how you should do something well. So I actually yeah. commend Riot on <laughs> doing that. I was I'm and I did not expect that to be on my list. I didn't I genuinely thought I was gonna have to make myself get through it and it would be okay but i loved it like it was really great so nice all right i expected my number six to actually uh break my top five but i'll tell you why it didn't (laughs) i was walking through uh the grocery store uh the other day and i saw this on the blu-ray shelf which is like you know they have like five blu-rays so you know it's going to be a big movie and i saw that and i was like i don't think i want to watch that at home and that was denis Villeneuve's dune i saw it we saw it together, actually, and we seeing did. it in IMAX was such an incredible experience. In fact, it was the and like you hear this all the time because it's like the benchmark. But I genuinely do feel this way. I have not seen a movie take me away to where I could not see anything else since Lord of the Rings. You are gone, yeah. and you are yeah uh, on this planet. What what was the planet? I know uh, it was House Atreides and House Harkonnen. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I, ju- I, ju- I just know that they were doing Spice and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, for- I forgot the name of the planet too. Actually, so Arrakis. It's Arrakis, like Arrakis. That's yeah, it's Arrakis. So, um, something like that, right? I'm like, because I was always like, it sounds like Arachnid. <laughs> like, yeah. So here's the thing about Dune. 
Um, I'm going to say one other thing that holds it back, and then I'm just going to gush about it. Uh, it didn't know when to end. And it also chose kind of the best place it could find to end for yeah. to kind of kick off a part two. Then we kind of had that fear that I hope they uh, get greenlit for a part two because it's COVID. And who knows if this giant $300 million blockbuster of a film is even going to get a part two. It did, thankfully. I also, I won't lie, I'm going to talk to you about this because Doom was my number five. So, oh, was it? Okay. So yeah. That, that's great. So yeah. we'll, let, let me finish my point and then I, I yeah, can jump to my for number sure, five. For sure. Um, for sure. No, no, I meant I'm going to talk to you while you're doing this. Like, like yes. I'll let you do your thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Um, but as far as, as somebody who knows nothing about the source material, I've never read uh, any Frank Herbert novel. Um, I do plan on reading Dune eventually. And I'm just getting through some other things on my bookshelf. Maybe I'll do audiobook, but regardless, for them to have a two and a half hour to three hour movie and catch somebody like me up who loves fantasy movies and who is willing to pay attention and really try to understand what's going on. It was so effective so quickly to catch me up on the, the ongoing kind of cold war situation, what the houses represent, what, how they gain their resources, what's going on in the background. It was actually kind of stunning to me um, because none of it felt like exposition dumps. It it all kind of came came naturally. I agree Um, with you on that, by the way, because I haven't read the books either. And I felt the exact same way. The expositional scenes were, they just felt like I was just part of the world and I was learning really um, organically. Organically. Everything you need to know. For sure. Everything. Yeah. Um, I want to, I'm trying to think of the things that haven't been said a thousand times, just to also get it out of the way. It's gorgeous. Like it's amazing. Everything looks amazing. Uh, it's Denis. It's Denis Villeneuve. He's like right. one of the best modern directors that's come um, out of the woodwork in the last like eight years or whatever. He's just destroyed everything. He's mm-hmm. amazing. The the scale and especially seeing it in IMAX with the uh, with the enhanced sound. Uh, you know, shout out the giant sandworm section. All of that. You're just <laughs> everything is so big and you're gone. You're on the desert with them. Um, all of the performances are absolute knockouts. Um, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, uh, incredible lead. Really it's actually my first time ever seeing him in a movie, believe it or not. I haven't oh, seen yeah. the films really? he's been in, and I and I think it's great. No, yeah. Not only is he great, but they got the right guy. You know what I mean? Like seeing sometimes you'll see a lead in a movie, and you're like, "Is this guy really going to carry like <laughs> a series?" You know what I mean? Are we, I don't want to follow this person. Um, super. I love da- Rebecca Ferguson too. I Rebecca Ferguson, scene stealer. Everybody has a scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, Oscar Isaac's great too. Like yep. he's fantastic. Honestly, I find I'm I'm loving Rebecca Ferguson more and more. Like she yep. was everything. She was like the main thing that I loved about Doctor Sleep too. Like yeah, so, same. Um, yeah, man, I love that movie. Dude, her um, performance is so good. I could just yeah. watch her scenes easily, like like so, in that movie. Um, I think for me, if this. If we would have had a part two or if we would have had a four and a half hour movie produced, I think this would have easily cracked my top one to top three. My my only gripe is I don't think it stands strong alone. By itself. You know, it's it's, it, it's it, clearly right. an unfinished. And what I like about that, though, is you can tell they know, right? Yeah. Because the movie doesn't say Dune. And then it'll mm-hmm. say Dune 2. It says Dune Part 1. So right. it's letting you know that it is the first half of one project. It right. is not – it's like Kill Bill Volume 1. Although Kill Bill Volume 1 does end well, and it stands on its own, but it's still extremely and, unfinished. If that didn't finish, you'd be like, she got through two people on the list. What the fuck? You know I what was I mean? comparing like, it. Kill Bill came to mind, and Fellowship of the Ring came to mind. And I was like, am yeah. I being fair to this? But there are but distinct they all do stopping feel like, points. This yeah, one doesn't yeah. have a distinct stopping point. It doesn't it feel doesn't. climactic. It doesn't yeah. like even though even though uh, Lord of the Rings is, is a trilogy. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. like, but even though Lord of the Rings is a trilogy, like you said, each film feels like a a movie that has a complete arc to it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Kill Bill. Even if you stopped in the middle of the list, those arcs for those first two people are complete, and it sets up the next one. But it does feel very complete for the first film, mm-hmm. even though it's in the middle. Yeah. So I, I understand exactly what you mean, and I, I feel like this was very ballsy. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing I will have to, I would say about this movie that's interesting is a lot of people say that the movie isn't as good as the book because the movie cuts out a lot of stuff. I feel like Dune is an example of being, f- like I haven't read the book, but from what I've read, it sounds like an example of being faithful to the book, mm-hmm. which is almost why they had an awkward time cutting it, probably because yeah, you're going to cut right in the middle of the book or right when things get interesting or, or what have you um, is what it seems like to me. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like, like it, it feels honest, like very honest. Um, yeah. I, um, and I'm with you. It's very transportive, like extremely. <laughs> yeah. I think so. What's funny is from a, from kind of a story perspective where it ends actually makes sense for a part one. Mm-hmm. Like it ends at the point where he decides to kind of embrace a different path, stay on this mm-hmm. planet, make a decision for himself instead of kind of being told what to do. And you're like, that makes sense. How he gets there and the events yeah. right before that happen are large from a character standpoint, but from a visual standpoint, yeah. everything we've been dealing with, yeah, it falls a little flat. It falls very flat. That and being also, said, uh, yeah. once part two comes out, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. <laughs> no, you know, no, yeah. no, no. But but it does fall. It does feel kind of anticlimactic from everything that they just ran away from. It mm-hmm. feels very ant. Like I almost feel like, uh, you know, them barely escaping and and flying off into the desert in search would have been a better ending than this kind of uh, initiation into a group. But it almost mm-hmm. feels like. But it, this is just my opinion. But hear me out. Like I, I, I'm wondering if Denis Villeneuve had trouble figuring out where to end it too. So he basically yeah. got to this point because he's ending with her and he's finally with her. So it's book ending Zendaya to some extent, because it starts with her dream mm-hmm. and it ends with him finally with her. And I think he yeah. felt like maybe for him, rather than ending on a climax book ending this character, the dream of, you know, or the vision of, and then actually being with her on this path. Mm-hmm. M- maybe that's how he decided to bookend it. Like, that's the only thing I can really think of that would make sense to me. I don't know if it's necessarily the right choice, but I think I think I kind of understand what he was trying to go for, which seems yeah. kind of like a rough thing. But I mean, it, it's ballsy, though, to just do this <laughs> first it's half of the movie with no guarantee of a second. <laughs> it's super ballsy. Especially but... in the middle of COVID. And, and I know that, like, COVID wasn't planned, but... But still, like committing to that, like that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't wait till the second one comes out. I really Me too. loved it. I'm re- you know, I Me too. really loved it. Um, and continue to give uh, Denis Villeneuve, as long as he wants to do him, continue to give him giant sci-fi projects because <laughs> please, he's kind of yeah. seeming like the best at it right now. I liked Blade Runner 2049 more than the original, which I didn't think I, I, I did personally. That's just me. But they kind of I, hold similar to me. I think yeah. they're, eh, I don't know. I see where you're coming from. Like, but, I just, I can't, I can't help it. Like, I yeah, just do. Like, I think I, it's, I don't want to say it. Good of a movie. No, you should. Yeah. Cause I think it, it feels sacrilege. It feels yeah, sacrilege. Yeah. Cause you know, they're like, you know, Blade Runner, every frame is beautiful and it is, it's really cool. But like, so there's something 49. about, it, yeah. it is, but yeah, yeah. I know. So <laughs> I know, but yeah, 2049 got me more. Like yeah. I liked the story more. Um, I liked, I know the iconic ending of the first one's great too, but like mm-hmm. 
there's just there's a lot about 2049 i really liked and there was just imagery with like like even with the the ai that he's having you know mm-hmm. like, like there's just so much about that film that's just not just beautiful but it's it's very the the human experience through uh i don't know what you call it digitalization like in that film it's just really really interesting yeah um or yeah. digitize it digitization i'm not sure one of those words digitization <laughs> yeah. yeah um all righty dune I'm, I'm gonna move on to my number five if that's okay Please do. Uh, Shaka King coming through early in the year with Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. I, um, I watched this on HBO and I actually thought I I have loved that there is an option to watch these films on demand on HBO. <laughs> I know. It's but cool. I've been choosy with the ones I choose to and the ones yep. I don't choose to. This was mm-hmm. one that I figured... I could watch at home and feel confident that I would get the experience I want. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have seen it in theaters because Ooh, even though nice. it's a grounded story for anybody who doesn't know the story of uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, it's the story of Fred Hampton and the person who betrayed him, Bill O'Neill. Um, and I remember seeing another movie that had uh, Fred Hampton as a side character early in the year called Trial of the Chicago Seven. Which and, I have not seen that one. That's a um, Netflix movie. Right? Uh, first movie that Aaron Sorkin directed. He wrote it too, yeah. so you know the dialogue is going to be killer, and it is. Uh, Fred Hampton is in the background of that movie, and I was watching it, and I was like, there is a better, more interesting Fred Hampton story that could be told. He's not the main character in that movie. He's just kind of in the background, but I was like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, that's kind of disappointing. Well, wait, wait. Didn't wait. Didn't Aaron Sorkin do Molly's Game? He was that wrote... his first, or was that this? Did he do Molly's Game? I know he wrote Molly's I thought... Game. I thought he directed. I might be wrong, though. Hang on. Now, now I just got to know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, but this movie took. Uh, yes, he directed Molly's Game. That he did. So he directed. So must, okay, so must have been. Cool. So must have been his second one. Cool. Yeah, sorry. So second one. Awesome. Um, there are store. There are moments and speeches and performances in this film that felt so large. Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and I haven't heard as many people talking about her, but uh, Dominique Fishback um, are just fucking riveting throughout the whole movie. And especially for something to be a a biopic, which to me, I always have red flags because it's hard to nail that balance between interesting, but not having it too much of a dramatization to where it can kind of feel disrespectful, but also having it be a great movie. And this movie for me, nailed it all like it nailed it all we were talking about like our favorite kind of current actors right now and the first one that came to mind for me was lakeith stanfield i remember seeing him for the first time in short term 12 and i was like this guy's the fucking bomb like whoever he is (laughs) i I hope he just keeps getting work and he does and this movie uh he's one of the shared leads and he uh i i don't i don't want to give too much away for anybody who doesn't know kind of the the spark notes or the story of I have um, to be honest. I'm one of the people that doesn't know the whole story. So okay, excellent. So please go in blind. Please, please I, watch I, I it. Please see some of these um, speeches that are dramatized and spoken um, from Daniel Kaluuya and Fred Hampton's words, and see the way that it's directed and the sound design and the, the score they use in the background because it is a beautiful movie. Um, it seems and, like and Daniel Kaluuya. It seems like Daniel Kaluuya really uh, transformed too because he was yeah. just in something else, and this one seems like he's put on some weight and. Yep. Uh, 
he's like like his hair like i don't know his whole look he just looks really different like i was like man that is daniel kalia but it's crazy he like he morphed <laughs> yeah and especially i don't know if, i don't think this was a january movie but it was definitely a early year movie and i had to really go back to think of what my favorites were and as i was making it, i was like it's got to be in the top five it's got to be in the top five yeah. um it's and it's, it is. it's it's probably the biggest one on my list that and soho are the two i want to see the most yeah so. yeah and this but one like, um i'm not sure if they pulled it but it should be on hbo I, I think I saw it recently because uh, yeah. I think I told you recently, you know, like some, you know how like sometimes there are some subjects people just, even if it's, even though they admit it's good, it, they're just not into, like mm -hmm. they have to make themselves. So I think I've told you for you, one of mine is, is war films, even though I, mm -hmm. I when I see the good ones, I love them, but you, you kind of almost have to make me see them, right? Like yes. I, I'll never choose to, I hate saying this, but I actually feel similar about biopics. Uh, like like like, like a lot I don't of blame you you know like because like a lot of times i know the stories so it's like i don't need to see a biopic but then mm -hmm. other times i'd rather just like i like like for instance when it comes to biopics a lot of times i'd rather see like a documentary right. like a lot a lot of the time um so whenever something's a biopic and i think that's why with judas i, I like i want to see it but like i think that's probably why because it is a biopic same thing with the trial of chicago seven i want to see it but it's like a biopic uh, yeah so i'll get to it eventually but it's almost like war movies i see them eventually but it's usually down the line or someone's like over and they're like let's watch this and i'm like okay well now i don't have an excuse because yep. i'm not gonna say no you know but <laughs> and i do <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. What's uh? It's so funny that you say that you would uh rather watch a documentary instead because I would love to take just a four. biopics. Just I know. Biopics. No, I know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think that's a great transition to my number four, if that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, please, because my number four was licorice pizza. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. My number four uh, uh, was a documentary by a big, uh, Val. What was it? it was Val. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember you telling me how much you loved Val. I figured it yeah. was going to be on your list. Ooh, number four. You really liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. It actually I got moved that. down from number two. But wow. It was, wow. it was kind of flirting with number one right when I watched it. Wow. Um, that's... So, this was okay. directed by uh, Tim Pu and Leo Scott, who I'm not super familiar with as as creators, but um, it was, I'm actually not a huge documentary guy, to be honest. Um, there oh, really? are a few that I've seen that I've loved, but this one, I I turned this one on on, on a whim. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, man, I love Val Kilmer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah, what I was yeah. thinking. Oh, I, I do too. And, I'm a um, Huckleberry. I, mean, I, knew, I knew a little bit of his story with uh, with his, his throat cancer and him kind of cutting yeah. his career short because of that. And yeah. I was just curious what's been going on. So yeah. before the, the concept here is um, his son narrates this movie, which was quite beautiful. And there's a lot of time between him and his son, him and his ex-wife. Um, and just between their family. But most importantly, what is so fascinating and beautiful about this movie is the juxtaposition between two things. Before the digital age, when everything was either, well, I should say the social media age, when everything was a uh, film kind of, you know, uh, a um, not a film camcorder, but a digital camcorder. Um, yeah. Or, you know, simple kind of snap cameras. Val Kilmer was filming everything. He was so excited to be a star from a young age that he just wanted to, to have those process. records. So you're seeing him like on the sets of like Tombstone and Batman and Top Gun hanging out with Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon and getting all of this behind the scene footage and seeing exactly how passionate he was about this craft and how much he loved acting. And then That's you're amazing. going to his current day and you're seeing who he is and he still has all that passion, but he, he can't speak anymore. He has a stoma. He speaks through a recording device. 
Oh, so he can't speak at all. So anymore. he still he he can, but it's through it's through a, a digital device that that amplifies his voice. Interesting. So he's he goes to to fan fest and still loves to meet his fans. But as somebody who, like you can tell, adores his craft, you're watching him make magic in these movies, and you're watching him do his best to capture that with his his current situation and leaning into his family for it. And it damn near brought me to tears again and again. This entire movie, Dude. I couldn't stop watching it. I love. I love it. Val Kilmer, so I, yeah. I, I do. I do want to see. And you know, it's funny. You're actually the second person to tell me that. Um, another person was like, "You like Val Kilmer, don't you?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm your Huckleberry." Not to mention, till this day, um, I love the Ghost in the Darkness with him and uh, mm-hmm. uh Michael Douglas, the Lions yep. of Sarajevo. Like, I love that. Till this, I've probably seen that movie like 20 times. I love that movie, uh, and I love. You know, of course, White Herb, and um, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I, I love I, oh. Kiss Kiss Bang yeah, Bang. Yeah, so okay. Um, <laughs> Go and look up the definition of the word idiot. You know what you'll see? What, me? No, the <laughs> definition of the word idiot. <laughs> <laughs> which is you, which you fucking are. Yeah. Um, one of the, the standout moments that it's, you know, it's partly comedic, but it's also very sad to watch is um, watching Val Kilmer on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, um, which is that was we a all trouble. know that was a trouble, troubled production, production terrible uh-huh. movie, multiple it's directors, awful. and awful also movie. he was working with his hero Marlon Brando. At this point, Marlon Brando was nobody's hero. He was very late, and he was a different person at this time in his life. Oh, he, I'm know? told he was awful. So like he was, like, yeah, watching Val Kilmer navigate that and kind of <laughs> have his kind of opinions changed on all these exciting moments for him. You're just sitting there like, oh, dude, like this must suck. <laughs> um, so Can you I imagine say, meeting one of your icons and he's just this big, awful person. You're like, oh, man. yeah. They say yeah. don't meet your heroes, huh? <laughs> exactly. Um, but I would say, even if you're just a fan of filmmaking or just kind of want to see uh, kind of behind the scenes of what it's like to work on these movie sets from the actor's perspective, or more importantly, if you've loved any of Val Kilmer's performances, um, yeah. or if you just want to see... I, I, I put it so high because... A lot of the uh, movies I've put up here have been a lot about human connection. And I really went by, like we talked about, I don't know technically the best, but what made me feel the most? You know what I mean? Yes, what kept me sure. completely glued? What did it want me to feel? Did it work? And did I want to see it again right after? You know? Sure. Um, and that this this is where all of these movies start to kind of get in that realm of hitting all of those things. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah, you said your number four was licorice pizza. Yeah, well, I know we I, talked about it, but four is high. Tell me, tell me a little more it, about it is. why, why um, number four. I think, I think a big reason it's number four is because I didn't expect it to be number four. <laughs> like, I, I, like, you were the one that was super excited, and I was excited to see it because I've only seen like four or five Paul Thomas Anderson movies, and I was like, yeah, this will be cool. It looked fun, and the trailer looked pretty good. But I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking it was going to be great, but I really thought it was great. And like yep. some of the cinematography, like like you said, to me, not as much as Dune, but it was very transportive to that time. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I was in another time the entire film. And mm-hmm. um, even though it it kind of organically cut, you know, and you don't even really know how much time has passed by the end of the movie, really. Like I, you don't, yeah. I guess, you, you know, it could have been a few weeks. It could have been a few months, a yeah. couple years. Like I really don't know. Um, that's why at the end of the movie, I was like, is he still 15 or is he like 18 now? Like, I was like, I genuinely don't know. Like, I think yeah. originally I was like, well, at least he's like 18 now. But then I'm like, I don't know if he is. Yeah, I really don't know. Because I think originally 
that was part of it. Like I thought it was like a few years had gone by and he was supposed to be like 18, 19 mm-hmm. now, but then I'm like, is he still supposed to be 15? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, there was something about it though, that I really, really liked. Um, and I liked, um, I also really liked the, the actress and I've never heard of her before, but I thought she did Alana a really Haim. great job. Do you yeah, know she, that I, I, her family is she, actually she, her family? No, her really? In the film is her family. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of hilarious right? because I was like, man, are those really her sisters? Yeah, yeah. That's her sister. That's her father and her mother. <laughs> I bet you that was really easy for her then. Like, yep. oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, there was something about that film that um, I think it's because it's a slower film and yet I was brought into the world and I didn't leave it until I left. There was no disconnect. Yeah. Um, which doesn't happen to me even if i really like a movie there's moments where something happens that kind of pulls me out of it and then if it's good it just reels me right back in i was Mm. never pulled out of the movie like i felt like i was transported to the that era and i stayed there until it was over when it was just kind of like just a the only way i could put it is just a nice experience it was it was good like it was yeah i don't know how to put it like i mean i I probably should have put it like seventh or eighth but i think because i i I was just very tuned in and I was trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen with this. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was fixed for some reason. So yeah, yeah, I really liked it. (laughs) Um, But uh, so I'm going to go into number three, which for me was on your honorable mentions. And for me, it's don't look up. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was number. When I watched that, I watched it. I texted (laughs) you first. I was like, fortune will fucking love this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think you had said something, uh, before I had seen it, you were like, to me, it looks, it's almost like a kind of a network of today. Cause that was a film yeah. I finally got to see this year. It was on my list for a while and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this was actually number two uh, until I saw something else. Ah. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I really love don't look up to me. It feels almost like something I, I would write. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's very, uh, uh, I feel like it, it is on the nose, but like, it's kind of, I think what makes it okay is it's, is it's kind of, you can tell that it, it's not even masquerading. It genuinely is a dark comedy. Yeah. So it's okay that it's on the nose and in some ways a little so on the nose that it's ridiculous because that's the whole point. Like, yep. like, like the nature of who this is talking about are ridiculous. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. so, and what I like about it is it's unapologetic about what it thinks of humanity right now and how doomed we are because of our own stupidity. Yeah. Um, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I, I just feel like everywhere it went was fantastic. I, I, I really found myself. I didn't expect to. I was relating to Jennifer Lawrence's character more that entire film. Like, <laughs> like what is wrong with you, fucking people? Do you understand what's happening? And then eventually she just stops trying, and she's just like, "Give me that alcohol. Do you want to have sex? Sure. Right. Like, let's go." <laughs> But why would he take her money for snacks? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was the best. The whole movie. She's tr- and then it cuts to her when they're like laying down and she's like, so it turned out they were free. And it yeah. cuts to her and she's still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, a lot of movies that are comedies, as you know, I don't find most comedies as funny as most people do. Yeah. That's why every now and then when I find something that I do, like some stand-ups I find hilarious, but most movies 
or shows that people think are funny, I'm not as into them. That's why every now and then when I find something I think is hilarious, I'm really into it. I found this pretty dang funny. Like for me, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street was hilarious. Love uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That's one of my favorite comedies in the last like five, six years. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another thing is uh, Afterlife with uh, that I'm watching now is hilarious. Uh, yeah. So when I find stuff that I think is hilarious, I tend to latch onto it because it's it, it you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's a, it's just a certain brand of comedy. I'm just weird, you know, and that's fine. But mm. uh, this movie I did find funny. It was just funny because it's it's almost like a long Black Mirror episode if it was more comedic. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> except <laughs> it's current time. You don't need to go. Yeah, sci-fi. except it's current. Yeah, it's current time. And I love how it's like mocking certain things about like climate change mixed with things like the pandemic. It's like it's like handling yeah. everything all at once. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like. And the uh, cast. So for... the oh, cast. the cast. Dude, yeah. the performances were great, dude. They, they were so great. down on television. <laughs> dude, it's, the bathroom scene was that great, but then the acts. television, but then the television scene, yeah, yeah, that television scene, like him and Jennifer Lawrence both had a television scene, basically, <laughs> yeah, they where they lost it. And the best part is he finally caught up. And I also yep. love, I fucking love Kate Blanchett and her character. And this was so great. I love yep. her and everything. And in this, she was so great. She's like, oh. This is awkward. I'm staying out of this. This is usually the part where you guys decide what. Well, this is the part where you guys fight and then decide if you're going to stay together. I'm just going to have my wine. <laughs> her, uh, her exit's great too. Leo being blind. Yeah. He's like, "Are you still yeah. there?" She's like, "No, no." <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. so great, and I, like I love how movie. honest it is. It's like the rich people are the ones that screw everyone over, but they're the ones that escape on the pod, which I'm sure is how it really mm-hmm. would. I always say that to my friends. They're like, they're like, why would the oil companies lie and about climate change? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Dad, they probably have bunkers or some shit somewhere. When, when we all mm-hmm. die, they're going to be fine. <laughs> like, right. So like that ending, I was just laughing when the ship goes flying off with them in, and I'm like, "Yep." And she even left her son on the planet, which was hilarious. She just leaves Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep as the president. Like that's amazing, bro. It's so cool. It's so cool. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I liked a lot too. All right, we're cracking my top three, my three favorite film projects this year. So I'm starting with. I mean, I can switch. I can interchange all of these, to be honest. But this is how I. I still kind of feel this way. Uh, number three, Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan. I, The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, yes. and Midnight Mass have been my favorite Netflix produced projects. All three of them, and in this one, I actually think I love this for so many reasons. Me too. And from my perspective, it does some things so significantly better than those other ones. And then some things not quite as good as those other ones. But I think this project for what Netflix, he's been able to get produced through Netflix has been by far his most ambitious, his most personal. And I, I personally think it's the most well-written. Too. And I, I, I think that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think from yeah. beginning to end, it, it's like a perfect... It's so yeah. well planned. It feels yeah. like a perfect it's... ending, a perfect beginning, a perfect middle. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. Sorry, um, it's my no. It's my number one. So it's your number that's one. Why, that's why I feel like I'm joining in here because okay, it's no, my number. Then... It's my number one on my list. Yeah. Yes, I, we have a couple more to get through. So let me let me nerd out about yeah. this a little bit, and then I want yeah, you go to ahead. go in when we get to number one. Go ahead. The performances and characters that I put in front of you, probably pulled at my heartstrings the most for any project this year, especially whenever I think about this show, 
there are um, there are a couple things I think back to, but the the number one thing that I always think back to is a conversation between a character Riley and a character Joe Colley. Um, Joe Colley, um, there was a tragic accident between these two characters, and Riley, who is a young girl, has every reason to hate this man, and she does. And this is a confrontation between them after a miracle has happened. And I'm not kidding. I, I'm really not the type of person I to get pull up my heartstrings when I'm watching a movie. You got to really hit something. I mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to say like I'm like cold or unemotional, but when it comes to movies, sometimes I can be too clinical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are so many monologues in this, and that's what I've heard a lot of people say as a criticism. It's very monologue heavy. I I don't care. They all work. You know what I mean? Monologues, like, monologues don't bother me. I mean, I like the Matrix. So. Yeah, and it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, when it comes from a criticism perspective, everything, everything has to be criticized to such a degree to where maybe it's not realistic or people don't talk that way or this wouldn't have happened this way. And I can be a little guilty of that too. But something that I'm trying to really lean into is whether it feels genuine or not, how does it make me feel and what does it have to do with this story? Like, even if people don't talk this way, what are you trying to get across? And does it make me feel how you're trying to make me feel? And this show landed it every single time from beginning to end. I think it was an eight episode run, maybe a seven episode uh, run. I, I think it was. It, it wasn't a ten. It wasn't it was, ten. It was, it was, it was no, it was, it was seven. Was it nine? I'm not sure. Maybe seven, you can look that was, up in the background. It was between six yeah. and nine. Um, yeah. But. We'll, we'll move on to the next one because I, I know I knew this was going to be your number one. I, I want to hear your take on it too because you've been kind of doing a lot with this. Um, yeah, seven episodes. Yeah, seven. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was it, it landed again by far my favorite thing that Netflix put out this year. Um, an incredible project. All of the this kind of haunting series always is dealing with really big themes and kind of using horror as a backdrop, and this continues that trend more subtly than the first two, in fact. One hundred percent. But it, it it all works, and I thought it was incredibly beautiful. Not very scary, but if you're squeamish, there's you know you get your your blood and a little bit of gore. Um, and for anybody who is an avid Stephen King reader, it's it's Salem's Lot on an island. <laughs> you know, it's Salem's Lot on an island plus some, and I mean that in the best way possible. I would say that's true, but I think it's far deeper and more yes. impactful than Salem's Lot, in my opinion. Because Salem's Lot is a simple story, but this is so complex in theme and subtext. Um, yeah, it's just I. This is, it's it's get your number two. Get your I'm number sorry. two. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you you do your number two because you did number three. So okay, 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 two. okay. We'll get we'll get back to midnight. Mass. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so uh, my number two, very close to number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. Julia Ducano to Tam. Um, I was talking to you about this movie about how absolutely absurd that this movie could be with its weird premise. And how it's going to be overrated. I'm not kidding. For This movie was a fever dream for me. Like it was, <laughs> you know, it was so weird. And, you know, when we watch, when we watch, I'll, I'll say the weird thing. Like, because uh, it really didn't have a whole lot to do with the film. But th- it's a movie that is about a woman who gets impregnated by a car. And you're, you're watching it. And you're trying to figure out where exactly this is going. Um. And 
it, it turns into a completely different movie. Funny enough, it starts off like a straight up thriller. You're following this woman. A lot of violent things are happening. All of a sudden, she's pregnant from a car, and now she's dealing with the consequences <laughs> of that. And you're like, what is going on? And you expect, you know, like movies today, you expect it to explain to you what's going on. Oh. And it's like, it's not important. Like, move on. So, and then about halfway through the movie, it completely shifts gears and it becomes the most heartwarming family drama of the year. <laughs> um, and I really mean it. <laughs> like, I feel weird talking about it. Did you see this yet? No. Okay, no. <laughs> I plan on watching it. It's just, it's just, I when, I read, when I read what it was about, I was like, of course Dylan wants to see it. I know, because I like weird shit. I know. I know. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, Agatha Roussel plays uh, Alexia, who's the lead. Um, she starts off um, the movie uh, incredibly cold. She is... She, she's heartless at any time uh, there's a potential for human connection, it ends in violence and like really gruesome, really fucked up violence. You have another character played by Vincent Linden, who is named Vincent, who is a, a father who lost a son. And you see these two characters come together along with this weird vehicular pregnancy. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? And I'm not kidding. I think I texted you. I think I texted you right when it was over, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched, but I felt all of it. You did. It was- <laughs> you did. I just love that you never expect to hear those words in a sentence. <laughs> this vehicular pregnancy. So, in a lot of ways, here, here's a couple things, because uh, I'm not going to get spoilery, but I'm going to kind of explain how it felt. Her kind of journey on what's kind of growing inside her felt a lot to me like what Jeff Goldblum is going through in The Fly. <laughs> and what i mean by that what i mean by that is these things are like of course they're metaphorical but in, in yeah. jeff goldblum's case you're watching from from his wife's perspective you're watching him get more engaged into his work and outside of all the physical kind of discrepancies he's becoming a monster like he's becoming mm-hmm. called to her he's treating her poorly and then he's physically becoming a monster it's a similar thing here everything that she's going through has to do with kind of who she is does she become a car i'm not going to tell you <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything. To, to give um, birth to a car, must she become a car? I will say, also, this has... I'm not very squeamish. Um, I tend to really enjoy a lot of violence in a lot of movies. This movie had me wincing. Um, there is a scene <laughs> where a character performs nose surgery on themselves, and I whew, I felt like I had to look away. Nose um, surgery? The, the, oh, God. The, the, the body horror in this movie is... is intense like there is some (laughs) intense messed up stuff that you see on the screen and then it's offset with beautiful human connection and these this group of people trying to figure out what their life is like now that they've been separate from others for so long and you're watching it and you're like i'm sitting there like thinking none of this should work because it's so absurd (laughs) Like, yeah. it's absurd. It's bizarre. It's fucking weird. But, but that makes it even more impressive. That right? makes it like, even but... more impressive because it had, it, yeah. it was, I, I hate to, I don't hate to say it because it is. The movie's beautiful. <laughs> it was really <laughs> um, I believe you. You have and, good taste. Though, yeah, I that's you. the most I, I will watch it without going to explode. So I hope you watch it. I hope anyone who listens watches it. I promise I will watch Titan. Uh, it's not for the squeamish. It is very violent. It's outside of everything I've said. It's nothing that you'll expect, but 
somehow okay. it all works. And that was your number two. <laughs> that was my number two. Oh man, I love that it moved up to two and knocked other things down. That's awesome. Because yeah. it almost took number one. <laughs> yeah, for you guys and gals that don't know, he's been saying he wanted to watch this movie Titan, and I'm like, I have no idea what movie you're talking about. And he's like, you should look it up. And when I read it, I was like, oh god, and he just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so my number two is actually a film that was on my list, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like the ones that I felt like I needed to see, and then I was just in a mood this weekend, mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to see, and I was like, you know, why not? So I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth uh, with Denzel Washington, yeah. uh, and, it, and, and uh, it just came out on um, Apple TV, I believe, is where it is. That's how you saw it. I was like, wait, yeah. you can watch that? Oh, you, we were talking yeah. about this earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and one of the other things that I thought was interesting about it, I didn't look up at all who wrote and directed it. It is written and directed by Joel Cohen. Mm -hmm. of the cohen brothers and he wrote and directed this one himself mm -hmm. uh, and of course it is the story of macbeth and to put this in perspective um i oh by the way i forgot i said denzel washington it also has francis mcdormand and brendan mm -hmm. gleason and you know a few few great i people. love brendan gleason who doesn't right he's yeah. awesome um and it also has Corey hawkins if you don't know who that is uh, he also mm -hmm. played doc he played dr dre and um straight out of Compton mm -hmm. and he's also been in a few things like 24 etc um but what's interesting about this film to me is I'm actually shocked that it's number two on my list because um you know in, in high school you, you have to read Shakespeare yeah and uh you know we read uh Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet I thought Romeo and Juliet was okay Those crazy I liked yeah everybody who says that's the greatest love story of all time like so you've never been in love like yeah i'm like really really these like teenagers that know nothing are in love for like three days and then one commits suicide and then the yeah. other it's like dude they're just a bunch of idiots like what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> anyway but yeah but then like i'm like but then hamlet i liked um mm. and then macbeth was actually i thought julian julian and juliet was okay macbeth mm. was actually my least favorite shakespearean uh just because i i found macbeth and his wife so unlikable that i'm not rooting mm. for them and I'm almost hoping they fail. And I'm just watching this kind of train wreck the entire time mm -hmm. with characters I just really don't care about, right? You know, mm -hmm. I thought the three witches were kind of interesting, but overall it just wasn't a story that was for me. I loved this movie and the visual imagery of how he portrays some things. Mm -hmm. uh, hands down, by the way, best cinematography of the year. Like, I don't think there's anything that will come close. Like, I, wow. I'm convinced it doesn't matter what else I see. I don't think it'll come close. And it's in black and white. And mm -hmm. there are some shots in this that are, not just beautiful they look like black and white paintings and, and like yeah. he does some things artistically um there is a scene there is a scene where the three witches wink wink are played by like one person mm -hmm. and it's almost like he's speaking for multiple people and then there's a scene where he puts on this cape and he's standing near the water and as he's standing up there's a there's a reflection that splits in two downward into the water so it looks like three witches are standing next to each other it is so cool and that's just one of many many things like like, like it is so cool like I, i'm serious like i was literally like this is like a master class on a shot list and cinematography like for, for anybody that's a filmmaker you want to learn and this is black and white and these are clearly sets but this should give you an idea of how you say you're not good at color grading learn how to control a black and white palette with light and shadow and you can do some freaking interesting things like it is mm -hmm. a it's it's phenomenal and the performances are great it took me about 20 minutes to fully like get into it because it's been a while since i've read shakespeare so like 
they're speaking in, in in the Shakespearean dialect and everything. So it's like, yeah. like I, I kind of understand what's being said, but it's a lot of, you know, have to really focus. And then after about 20 mm-hmm. minutes, you kind of get used to it. And then it got smoother and smoother. It's almost like how I felt about the witch. <laughs> the accents right, were so right. thick that I'm not really, but yeah. then by about 20, 30 minutes in, all of a sudden I just, suddenly that feeling of hard to understand just was gone. And I'm like, I'm fine now. <laughs> like, it's yep, like your mind, yep. it's like your mind just takes time to get the blueprint and then it just starts mm-hmm. putting things together. Um, and, and I haven't read any Shakespeare in quite a while. So, uh, uh, yeah, it took me some time to get into it, but yeah. And then the visual imagery and the presentation of everything just made it fantastic. I mean, um, and, and Francis McDormand is fucking great too. Always. Uh, yeah, always. Right. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But always. like, it is, it is phenomenal. Um, and I would actually have to say direction and presentation actually outshine performances, even though Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand are great. It's so stunning yeah. that the presentation yeah. is, like I said, I'm not even into Macbeth, but it was so the the perspective that I got of it, I've never seen anything like it for Macbeth, and it is beautiful. I could watch it again, even though it's a story I don't really like. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Which to me is that's more impressive when it's a story I'm not into, and you made me love this movie. Like that's, yeah. So I I, I yeah I can't say enough good things about it. It was very very good. Um, I've been uh, waiting patiently to do my uh, trial for Apple TV, and maybe I got <laughs> yeah, so you could die. So you could just like watch everything at once. Right? Yep, just, like... yep. <laughs> awesome! I'm I'm so happy that was good. Uh, the Coen Brothers are some of my favorite directors. So I know, uh, I know. We just had another situation of Lily and Lana separating. We got Lana's Matrix, and that well, you know, that went a certain way. But hearing uh, that Joel Cohen, it's Joel that made this one, right? Uh, Larry. Oh, so, e- sorry, Ethan. Joel no, or no, Ethan no. made this one. No, no, it's Joel. Sorry, it's Can Joel. I say Larry. I <laughs> yeah, I was like Larry, Larry, the long and Lana, lost brother. <laughs> Lana, Lana Wachowski. Because you said Lana, and I yeah. think it made me Larry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. whatever. <laughs> yeah, Joel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mine just, my um, mind just went. Beep. Yeah, sorry. I'm. I'm excited to hear that uh, him separating and doing project on his own without Ethan still is. It was fantastic. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when it said awesome. Joel Cohen, I was like well, where's Ethan? I'm like, they always do things together, right? I'm like, is this just Joel? I was like, wow, like, this yeah. is fantastic. Like, now I'm worried. I'm like, am I going to see Ethan? It's going to be terrible. And it's like, it was always Joel. And we yeah. didn't know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. It's probably, I'm sure Ethan's going to be great if he does one. So. Um, all right. I kind of want to do my number one first because I want to save do, your takes do. on Midnight Mass for the end. No, no, yeah. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, my number one's not a surprise to you. Really, I actually thought it would change, but it didn't from the very beginning of the year. And it was on your honorable mention list, and it was Pig from Michael Oh my Karnowski. god! It's it your number one. My number one movie this year. Wow. For a lot of reasons. Awesome. That's awesome. So if you saw the trailer for this movie, you saw a trailer for a thriller. Um, I want Lies. my pig back. Wow. You know, that's kind of that's when you saw the trailer, you see him like gritty yeah. behind the shoulder shot where's my pig mm-hmm. you know we, we all know they made it john seem wick like is. it was john wick with a pig yeah <laughs> what i did not expect was a heartfelt buddy comedy <laughs> what i got was a heartfelt buddy comedy <laughs> but right, a couple things more important than that i have loved nicholas cage for a long time and i still do yes um I think a lot of times he can put in bad performances. I also think a lot of his performances are misunderstood. And I really think that he puts uh, expressionism in front of kind of grounded performances a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And in some, sometimes it works and things like, yeah, you know, I mean, his classics like face off and, you know, those, those big, it. huge performances, like they work sometimes, sometimes they don't. Face this off is one, one of my favorite action uh, uh, movies from the nineties, by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. But then, you know, there are his really grounded performances like, 
leaving Las Vegas and, and this and Pig. Um, not only did I love his character, but I loved so much of what his character was representing through this entire movie. And it, it was very touching to me. A couple scenes that stood out. Um, probably my favorite scene in the movie is a, a conversation he has with an ex-student of his who's become a successful chef in the middle of the city. <laughs> That's my He's, favorite scene. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's very easy for that to be your favorite scene. But he says a couple things in that scene that I think were really touching. And he's giving yeah. a great performance the whole time. He's this uh, person may, uh, just to circle back for a second, the film is about he, he's robbed in the beginning of the movie. And mm -hmm. what's taken from him is his truffle pig. What his business is, is he uses this pig to scavenge and forage for truffles that he then sells to a middleman who he works with, who brings those truffles to his connections and his father's connections <laughs> in the restaurant industry, right? Mm -hmm. He used to be a, a world-renowned chef, but the way that the industry treated him, he decided to become a recluse. He decided to go live in the woods by himself with his animal because that's where he found happiness. Now that's been taken away from him, and he needs to enter this world again of... <laughs> chefs <laughs> i have something i want to say when you're done too yeah yeah um to find this pig again and there's a scene where he is uh meeting with a ex-student of his who now owns an incredible restaurant and it's a lead on where his pig is he knows this guy knows where where's my pig and uh he you know he won't tell him where the pig is so nicholas cage needs to have a conversation with this guy and you know he says you know what do you serve here like what what, what is this restaurant what's the concept and he says, well, we take uh, local ingredients and we try to make it feel foreign and alien. And we try we to deconstruct make it, it, deconstruct it, make it exciting. He says, well, do you like doing that? And he's like, everybody loves it. You know, this is, this is great. He said, okay, do you like cooking it? And he's like, the, the critics, it's a success. This is a huge success. And I remember seeing this scene and I actually think there's a little bit of overacting going on in this scene, but I love the dialogue. And he basically told him, he said, what was your dream? You know, if I remember correctly, your dream was to open a pub. What dish did you want to cook? And immediately the person he talked to remembers the dish that he wants to cook. And he says, like you know, scotch egg with it, yeah, something. scotch egg with a, with a glaze or something along the lines. And he looks at me and says, you know, none of this is real. He says, these, the people, your patrons, your customers come in, they don't care about you. These critics don't matter. You know, we get, and the, what's stuck with me is he says, we get so few things to care about. You know what I mean? And he's talking to someone who left this all behind. He says, every day you're going to lose a little bit more of yourself. You're going to lose a little bit more time trying to, to find success instead of focusing on what makes you happy. Yeah, you know? to people who don't care about you. To people who don't care. And I think all of us relate to getting caught up in that because it's so sure. easy to have to survive. We have to make money. You know what yep. I mean? And then it's exhausting to have to make money. You know, mm -hmm. it's exhausting to have responsibility. So by the end of the day, we don't have time to do the things that we love to do. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Yep. And every single day that we decide not to, that we decide to lean into those things where we try to find success, we lose a little bit of ourselves and we don't have time to do that. Yep. So those themes mixed with this story, mixed with that performance, going to that ending, which was also really beautiful in its own right, but I'm not going to talk about because I Yeah, that was, my other, that was my other favorite scene, from, I would say. I from would a first-time director, I remember walking out of this movie blown away. Like I did not expect to love it the way I did. And now it's, it's the next year and I still can't stop thinking about it. Like I browse by it all the time. I'm like, oh, I got to watch Pig again. I've watched it a couple of <laughs> times and I, I loved it. I cannot wait to see what this director does next. And I think this directs director 
not only got the right actor in Nicolas Cage, but also just let him create a character out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It seemed really hands-off. And there, there are a few kind of like big-ish, not so much Nicolas Cage moments, but what Nicolas Cage does with this character is beautiful. And I think it mm-hmm. fit in this really beautiful movie that has a backdrop of amazing cuisine and cooking. And For sure. now I want to watch it again. <laughs> so and, also, and, and I also like what you find out about the truffles later too, and the yeah. egg and everything. I like yeah, that. exactly. I don't uh, want to spoil that because that was a pretty. Big no, I, I, that's yeah. why I won't say. But uh, one thing I'll, you did mention. Uh, uh, so I think I might have gotten a different of a opinion, or maybe just a misunderstanding. <laughs> but you've seen it twice, so you're probably right. But you said that he got kind of fed up with the industry and walked away. I thought that there were hints that he left because he lost his wife or the woman that he loved. Right, because, so, of, because of the moment that he goes to the the place and she's like, I have a spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, 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 I kind of thought that he was loving it. And when he lost her, he lost his passion for like, that's kind of what I thought, but I, I could be wrong. Yes, um, no, uh, absolutely. But even past that, he never decides to go back to it because he decides that's that true. he yeah. has closeness and a relationship that he can care mm-hmm. about and reflecting. He could have yeah. gone back to that and he decided not to because yeah. he can do what would fulfill him and make him happy, even if it's frowned upon or shocked, yeah. you know? I mean, the only thing he seems to enjoy is certain things and also yeah. like, like the tapes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And mm-hmm. also the, the direction they kind of took the, the restaurant industry was really surreal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was hilarious. It was hilarious like, and fascinating to explore and weird. You like know, ma- mafia meets fight club. You're yeah, like, exactly. You're like, what? It's like we're dealing with Tony Soprano over yeah. here, and then there's Fight Club down below. And you're but like, you what know the what? Fuck? If you've ever worked in a restaurant, <laughs> fuck man, you need to let out some energy. You know what I mean? Like, it is intense. That's it is the intense. reason why. It's the reason why I love them. But my dream of being a chef changed. I was like, if I get rich, I'll I'll, I'll have a restaurant that has like eighty percent of my recipes <laughs> or seventy percent of my recipes, but the other thirty percent are whoever the head chef is that I hire. Yeah. Uh, so, so that they can have some on the menu as well. And I'll have a manager run it. Not me. Cause I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but just, uh, before you get into midnight mask, go, no, of course. And yeah. by extension, this is, you know, just getting into kind of how I look at life. And I think about this pretty often these days, I think about mm-hmm. just kind of day to day moments and, and weighing them in importance to, to work that you do for hopefully a better future. You know what I mean? Yes. So I yes. think, if you have a great day amongst friends, how much is that worth as far as your time sacrificed to do something you don't enjoy? You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I don't, of course, there's there's no right answer and it's different for everybody. But I find as many of those moments you can create, even if they're just like in your house, whether it be sitting alone or sitting with somebody or whatever brings you fulfillment, whatever that one thing is, that is the most important thing. And there's times to pause and not worry about what you're going to have to do tomorrow because you can get caught in a loop where that is all you will think about and that drive can be positive and passionate you can really drive the bus in that way but it's not new to say you will miss so much on what could be incredibly fulfilling moments along the way and that this movie nailed that for me 100 percent yeah and and I think and I think people like to generalize it by saying things like oh a work life balance and it's a lot deeper than that it's yeah it's just appreciation it's just yeah. finding moments to you know I I really value being able to have the human experience whatever that means for me whatever that means yeah. for for everybody else I value the the highs and the lows and being able to feel those things so for sure um, I think about it often and like I said pig 
nailed that feeling in a movie, and I haven't seen it nailed that way in a while. So I can't wait to see more from this guy. You're such a good guy. No, you, you are. You are such a good guy, bro. Yeah, thanks. Well, so my for my number one, I mean, we already kind of talked about it. For, it's Midnight Mass. But for me, I, I would say similar to how you feel about Pig, that's actually one of the reasons Midnight Mass is so big for me, because the subtext of this series... Um, you you said something that I found interesting because it's probably the only thing I, I I've disagreed with you on all night. Uh, mm-hmm. You had quit you, when you were talking about Midnight Mass. You had said it's not very scary, mm-hmm. and it isn't uh, supernaturally. But mm-hmm. to me, to me, what happens on that island is terrifying. Like like mm-hmm. like to me, what happens, and that's the point of the story. So for me, that's more terrifying. Uh, than anything I could have seen with the monster or the entity. Um, like, like in a lot of ways, it's about many things, but a huge part of that is is the horrors of an ideologue. Um, and what I find interesting is there's more than one ideologue, but there tends to be one true ideologue by the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I think the brilliance of the writing was having an ideologue um, and you need a counterpart to that. And the counterpart to an ideologue is a pragmatist. So. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you have pragmatists in the story, and you have ideologues, and then you have people on varying degrees of those opposites. And what I think the show does spectacularly, and in my opinion, some might agree, but in my opinion, quite honestly, mm-hmm. is it, it, it takes a supernatural, horrific situation, and it tackles it from the perspectives of varying religious psychological and um from from various religious and psychological viewpoints right um and i guess philosophical too uh so you have people that have varying beliefs on this island they're isolated from the world this thing is happening and essentially it's about how do all of these people deal with it and also (laughs) how do all of these people see it it has it has some very similar things uh themes to don't look up um but it's taken a lot more seriously and I would say a lot more honestly because even some of the people who by the end of the film you might see as the villains of the film, none of them are, or at least most of them, aren't, um, they're not frauds or at least they don't believe themselves to be. You know, they believe what, they believe what's happening wholeheartedly. You know, like they're completely consumed by belief to the point where they genuinely believe they're helping everyone. You know what I mean? There's nothing about them that's disingenuous. Like, like, like you know, like, like so, like, I, I think as the third person, as the viewer, you, you can be fairly certain that they're wrong, but there's nothing about the character that seems shady or dishonest, at least most of them. There's one that I think we all right. love to hate. And yep. I'll just say that the actor who plays this character, I think this person was phenomenal because I think by the end of the second episode, I hated yes. this, this, this woman. Like, like yeah. I hated her more than I, than I, I hated her more than I hated homegirl. And I care a lot. Like, yeah. and that's saying, that's saying yeah. something. And then there's a scene in a school where the question is not answered. It's circumvented. And then the person proceeds to do it anyway and i was yep. just like yep. oh my god this person is my villain and it like twice and it happens twice yeah. dude dude <laughs> no three times technically if you think about the ending because oh, right. everyone yep. gets fucked because it happens yep. to the nth degree like yep. it's like yep. and the worst part is i feel like the, the the film covers so many aspects of life including blind 
belief. And this isn't to insult religion because I believe blind belief in anything can be destructive. You know, it's not just mm -hmm. religion. It could be an ideology. It could be just a simple uh, philosophical viewpoint. Logic in and of itself. I am a patron of logic. But for instance, if you are 100% logical, that's destructive too. <laughs> like, yeah. like well, well, why do you think Skynet exists in movies? Because yeah. logically, if a machine had in charge of all the weapons and it analyzed this, it would probably be like, you're awful. You're a virus. To save the planet, I kill you, and we're all good. And that's probably true. Like right. you know what I mean. So it's like, 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 like everything in excess, for the most part, is destructive. I mean, and that's true with drugs. It's true with food. It's true with everything. Same thing with ideology. Um, and an ideologue is essentially, in my opinion, they're like an addict of a belief uh, in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's like the pragmatist is the counter to that. So what I like about the film the the series is it's very realistic in terms of if you go through history this is true about history too it doesn't matter if there's a few people that are right ultimately if you fail at convincing everyone of something you all burn together like that that mm -hmm. is just that is just how it is um and i think the way this movie handles all that in a creepy stephen king s way is truly I know I don't I didn't expect to say this. It's I think it's beautiful. I think mm -hmm. it is superbly written. The performances are masterful. The direction I think is the best I've ever seen from the director and writer. Mm -hmm. um, and also the film really touched me because uh, when I was about 21, I was raised Christian and I always had issues. I, I didn't quite know, but I, I, I really wanted to know the truth. So I spent a year actually studying pretty much every religion that exists, including ones that don't anymore, like Zoroastrianism. But I read about Christianity, Islam, uh, Hinduism, uh, Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witness, uh, Scientology, uh, <laughs> everything you can think of, including like uh, philosophies like Confucianism and stuff. And by the end mm -hmm. of it, uh, I thought that I was going to be reading all of them to find out which one's right. Um, and by the end of it, I actually found that I didn't believe any of them, um, like, at least not completely. Um, mm -hmm. And I ended up being very depressed for about six months. And that was when I realized, oh, I guess some part of me wanted to believe one of them, you know, more than mm -hmm. even I realized, right? Um, but then I started reading a lot of things about, like, I had my own thoughts on life. Like, if this isn't true, then... You know, maybe nothing matters and all this stuff. But then you start reading things like existentialism and things. And, and that stuff really hit me because I, I agree with it, like like wholeheartedly, you know, mm -hmm. like you can argue that the universe is uncaring and nothing really matters. But the power in that is that's true. But mm -hmm. that means anything that you decide matters, matters. So mm -hmm. because it matters to you, it matters. And there's nothing that can take that away. That's a fact. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that interesting. And there are also really interesting aspects of the universe if you decide to look at the universe like one organism or one – like there's just facets of it. And there's a character towards the end of this who is – I don't want to spoil it, but I'll just say something is happening in the final episode to this character. And someone asks her what – what, someone asks this person what they think happens when we die. And like all of the reading I've done – like I've had conversations with my friends about this for like the last four or five years, some of my other friends. And – I have never seen someone sum up a majority of what I think in like a movie so perfectly. Uh, and like some of the things I think might be the case are a mixture of, you know, multiple things that I've read. And so some of my friends were like, Hey, you're crossing some things. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I could totally see any of that being true, you know, mm -hmm. and a person forms all of it so beautifully in this moment. Um, it was one of the most touching things I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I was just yeah. like and I just I loved it um 
I loved everything that it says philosophically. I love, um, I love the sort of parable that it's kind of placing, um, you know, be careful. It's, it's giving you things to watch out for. And I think they're very, very adamant things. If you're looking at what's happening in society now, um, and yeah, I, I just think it's, it's, I just think it's a masterpiece. I genuinely do. And I didn't expect that. Um, I think you reminded me it was out. Like I just heard he was working on something and you reminded me it was out. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'll watch that. <laughs> and I remember yeah. I, I, I couldn't stop. And uh, yeah, I, I, I still think about it. I, I love it. it. It is probably one of my favorite projects. It's my favorite project of the year. It's probably one of my favorite projects in the last five years. So I really, really enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Midnight can, Mass uh, on Netflix. Mike Flanagan. Check it out. Man, we actually saw a lot of movies this year. We did. <laughs> I saw more classics than new ones, unfortunately, but I still need to see a lot more. So, Yeah, I know. I was, uh, I was building my haven't seen list. I was like, oh, this is getting long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I just said three. I'm like, oh, bro, there's at least seven more. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, it's hard to yeah. keep up, though. There's so many, like... <laughs> You know, studio films, indie films, foreign films. Like, like there's so mm-hmm. many. Like, now you have hundreds of movies that come out every year. It's so hard. Like, there's no way you can see them all. Yeah. Well, um, I think this was an excellent 2021 wrap-up. And I will say 2022 is starting strong. We both saw the new Scream. Yeah, it was pretty uh, fun. I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think I, you liked it even more than I did, which is kind of funny. Like, Because <laughs> uh, I'm the twice. Scream fanatic. You saw it again? <laughs> Yeah. Did you really? I dragged, a, I dragged Jasmine to see it. I was like, How did she like it? She liked it. Uh, she yeah. also like called out a couple plot hole things that we talked yeah. about. But after yeah. I watched it the second time, believe it or not, it's my second favorite in the series. I don't know. Yeah. Some people say that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it I think just comes Maddie. down to. I love Maddie. She's my Maddie. Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just came down to, man, I haven't seen that fun of a horror movie in a long time. And it calls out in the beginning. It's uh, along the yeah. lines of, you know, what's a. Uh, elevated horror movie you know that doesn't sound very scary or that doesn't sound very fun then you watch this movie and it's like all the other screens it's having a blast the entire time and then in the background it's also really gruesome so it follows that same plot but i just i just had a blast like i even though like looking at it constructively i'm like this isn't as strong as some of the other ones i'm like i'm just having too much fun with this movie (laughs) okay first of all it's way stronger than stream three like that's all i'm saying stream three was just a misfire so like yeah yeah, i would say i liked it about as much as scream four i don't know if i'd put it in front or behind scream four but the point is i thought it was pretty fun i i guess some of my gripes are just like i feel like they're kind of severe but Mm -hmm. but there's Mm -hmm. enough about it that's good that i I still enjoyed it. That's the best way to put it. So yeah, yeah. like I liked it though. Yeah, it's so, it cool. If uh, this is the type of stuff we're getting in January, I can't wait to see what the rest of the year uh, me, me too. Me brings too. us along. But uh, Fortune, it has been a blast. Happy 2022. Here's to another year of awesome movies and some special. I, I agree, man. Dylan, it's always good. I'm, it was good to see the top 10 of your, your top 10. Uh, it was really fun to be here with each other. And, uh, you know, while we're on the subject, Dylan, you know, hey, I'll be right back, bro. He's dead. You were right to ask. <laughs> you were right to ask, though. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. My my cough has taken over. Yes, um, man. Get better. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you all for listening and enjoying, and we will see you next time.
Yes, definitely, guys. I'm actually getting my uh, booster uh, later at the end of this month, so it'll be my turn. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a good one. We will see you on episode 16 in a couple of weeks. Peace. Catch you later.